This is Kevin Van Hentenrick, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And if you lift the lid of the basket, you die. to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. That would make me terrible, Troy. Mm. And we're joined by the returning director of Slime City, Killer Rack, Johnny Gruesome, the upcoming Widow's Point, and the man behind Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival, Gregory Lamberson. It's very cool to have you back. That would be gregarious, Greg. Very nice. Gregarious. I like Welcome back. Just come prepared. All right. yes. My daughter calls me Gregory. <laughs> I like that. I, I like it. Yeah. It so, takes too much energy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we were a little late here. It was because uh, Greg was thinking of a good name to match Nasty Neil and Terrible Troy. Oh, don't blame this on me. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, it was problems with Skype. We're all good. So, Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival is coming up. I had a great time last year, and so I decided to come back this year. You'll have a better time this year. Why is that? Two reasons. Number one, we're running in the summer instead of the winter, and the summer in Buffalo is much nicer than the winter in Buffalo. Even though for the rest of the country, early November is not winter, it definitely is here. And uh, number two, I did not just finish shooting a movie, so we're ahead of schedule on a lot of stuff that we need to get done, uh, which was definitely not the case last year. Yeah, yeah. Was that uh, was that difficult last year to deal with, like coming uh, right off of finishing your movie? Yeah, 
it wasn't that the festival was right after it. It was the month lead into the festival where we have to make the final decisions and notify people and get their screener copies. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. So why is it, you know, why did you move it to August this year? Um, there are many reasons, but, uh, giving you a select few, uh, you know, we've got a number of film festivals in Buffalo and we, because we generally like to go after Halloween because there's so much stupid horror stuff, you know, people would rather go to a costume contest than, than to a horror film festival at Halloween. It makes no sense to me. Um, all the other festivals will have happened. So we were like sort of the afterthought which uh, I don't think is right because I know we put on a really good show. So by going in the summer, we are ahead of all the other festivals, but more importantly, we're in nicer weather. I th believe, and I don't have stats to back this up, I believe we are the festival that the most filmmakers come to from out of town. And it made more sense to us to have them come here when it's nice to go to Niagara Falls and you're not dealing with bitter cold mist on your face. Right. So it just seems a more conducive time for people to have a good time while they're here. And that's really important to us. Yeah. Last year when I went, I, uh, what I, one of the things I really liked about it was the community aspect. You know, it was a lot of people that uh, had been there before and everyone was interacting. And uh, people, you know, like some people would have uh, a feature who was there before with shorts or, you know, a new feature or whatever. And it was nice to see that everyone, not everyone, but you know, a lot of people knew each other. Well, it's its the way it is every year, and it's the way we always want it to be. And if we ever get to the point where it's not like that, the, the fun will go out of it, and that'll probably be it. Mm -hmm. So I know we probably asked this last year, but what is like the criteria? What are the what things are the you things look you for look when, you, uh, uh, when you're selecting the movies? A movie that blows me away. <laughs> is is the ideal reaction but i mean you have all different we have all different ways of judging a film um we like something original we like something that we know people are going to want to talk about afterwards and then we also have a number of films you know the ones that we show on weekday matinees that can be a little more offbeat and appeal to a much smaller uh group of people you know just some things we do for fun so we like to have a nice run a nice gamut there, you know, between the top quality films and something that, that maybe uh, only a few people are going to like. Yeah. Does that reflect your um, uh, your opinions on movies, what you like? Because uh, I assume you like all different kinds of films. Yeah, I am. I'm not just a horror guy at all. Um, and, you know, it's it's me and it's my partner, Chris Ioli, and we, we both uh, agree, typically. We have never had a disagreement about a film doing this together for nine years. I mean, he was even on the first Buffalo scream. So this is, this is really our 10th year of marriage. <laughs> yeah. That's and I, do call, I do call him my second wife because we <laughs> nag each other a lot in the run up to the festival. Uh -huh. <laughs> Nothing's worse than at three o'clock in the morning. When one of us tells the other something that's really obvious to him and we both do it. And that sets the other guy off. We yeah. start, uh, doing angry face back book messages. Although we've been doing it for so long that now we usually just uh, don't even acknowledge the other guy. You know, like whatever. <laughs> so, so do you butt head? Do you butt heads a lot? Like which movies you want to pick? No, never. No, we always agree on the films. 
So what, what do you, uh, what do you, get, well, you don't have to go into it, I guess, but what do you uh, get angry about? Oh, well, maybe logistical thing. And it's not that we disagree about anything. It's that we point out something to the other person that the other person already knows after having worked together for 10 years. Right. And we start getting sarcastic late at night. Right. right. It's like when I told you, you who uh, different guests on the show, <laughs> what they were into. <laughs> Only I was nicer about it than I would have been to him or he would have been to me. <laughs> so uh, another thing in this, because um, we'll get into the features, because you already named the features. and we, uh, There's going to be 75 shorts, too, I believe you said. So at, least, at least 75 shorts. So yeah. at least 100 movies again. We went into it this year thinking... You know, there's a lot of festivals out there that only run for three days, maybe four days, and they do great. And uh, the guys aren't exhausted at the end of it. Maybe we don't want to do seven days. So we're thinking this year, maybe we cut down to five or maybe we'd not show movies in the matinee. But here we are again with uh, seven days of pro- full programming, noon to almost midnight every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And well, we, also, you- we selected oh, a few more. We selected a few more features this year. And I thought that would cut down on the number of shorts we could show. So when I actually added it all up and I saw that it was going to be 100 or 102 or whatever, I was like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> so ha- have shorts gotten uh, – have they become more popular over the last few years? Because se- it seems that way to me. I know at most film festivals that's the case. Mm-hmm. And they like to show as many pos- as possible because that gets a big turnout. But we tend to show most of our shorts in the day when there aren't usually a lot of people coming into the theater, uh, you know, just our core regulars, that may be different now that we're in the summer. I mean, this is, this is a, an experiment for us going in a totally different season. And as far as outreach to the public, it's almost like we're starting over from scratch. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go over some of the other uh, features. If you want to uh, uh, pick a few, you can go over all of them if you want, but what are some of the uh, ones that uh, you think are like highlights? Well, uh, Isaac Esban is uh, an extended family member of the festival. We've been showing his movies from the beginning. This will be the fourth time that he's come out to screen a film. This particular film, Parallel, is his first English language film, and it has a fairly big budget. I think it's a $5 million movie. And it played uh, a limited number of film festivals last year, like the really big ones, Fantasia and Public Fantastic Fest and things like this. And then they stopped doing festivals. They said, okay, no more. And I was trying to get it last year, and it just wasn't going anywhere. So I don't know what's happened behind the scenes, but the film hasn't been released yet. So I started again this year, and it it took quite a bit of work. (laughs) Uh, You know, the the distributor has four different offices, and I pretty much had to go through all of them and contact different people and send emails and uh, make a phone call. And uh, I was really surprised when they said yes, and so was he. (laughs) He thought it was amazing because they've been turning down so many festivals for the last nine months. Mm -hmm. Why was it important for you to have a parallel at uh, Buffalo? Um, Well, first of all, I think that Isaac is the most talented filmmaker alive whose last name is not Scorsese. I think his movies, uh, the short film we've shown – a number of times, El Incidente and uh, The Similars, both of which are on Netflix, I think they're absolutely brilliant genre films. And I've been predicting from the beginning that he that Hollywood was going to snap him up and we wouldn't be able to get him to our little festival anymore. 
And sure enough, besides doing parallel, he's uh, attached to to, uh, to direct uh, Dan Simmons' adaptation. Dan Simmons, the novelist. Um, and it's just a matter of time before he's you know before he's doing Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah. So, um, besides the fact that we love him and we love his work, he's kind of grown at the same time the festival's grown. And he's developed a following here. A lot of people remember him from the very first time that he came, and they will come out uh, to support him and to see him. And it's it's really cool to see. Yeah. 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 I, I, I totally get that. But is that a big part of the festival for you, to see, like, uh, people you know, progress with their work and, uh, you know, do bigger things? Uh, well, it's nice to see it. I mean, I always tell everyone the most important thing is to pro- progress in some way, you know, whether it's quality or, or ambition or, or budgets or whatever. Isaac just happens to be the total package, a screenwriter, director, promoter. He's got it all going on. Well, will he be there? He will be here. Oh, and he nice. get, he'll give like a we let him go 40 minutes with his Q&A. Usually we try and keep him to about 20 minutes, but him, we let go 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, when's that one playing? Well, we haven't announced our schedule yet. Oh, okay. We've announced all the films, and I'm waiting until after we've announced the shorts to, to announce the whole schedule. But I will tell you, it's the opening night feature, Friday, August 23rd at 7 p.m. Oh, very cool. Do you, do you put a thought into how you know where movies play? I obsess over it. I uh-huh. do. Maybe as many, many as 20 different versions of a schedule in the month before we settle on our final selections. And then it almost always changes because a filmmaker wants to come to town, but he's not available here, but he is available here. So we, I do some, some swapping around, but we, we basically have a template that we follow, you know, as far as where a block of shorts goes, where we stick some medium length films. Um, you know, for that, the opening weekend, we show very few shorts. We try and keep it all down to features. And then we start getting into shorts and more local films, uh, on the other four days of the festival. Yeah. yeah. And this, uh, I, I kind of like a mixtape with music. Sometimes, uh, Certain you you know if you get something exciting maybe you want something a little slower or uh, I remember I go to this twelve hour horror movie marathon on Halloween and one year the last after like ten hours of movies then they showed the Changeling which I really like but after you've been up for ten hours that's not a movie you what you like uh, well after ten hours it's very hard to find anything that you're up for. I mean, that's that's the fact, and you have to take that into consideration. Uh, but for me, the, the two most exciting things about the festival are discovering new films from people I don't know that blow me away, because if I'm excited, somewhere someone here in Buffalo is going to be excited. I love promoting talent that I didn't know exist. And the other thing is the schedule. To me, that's a whole... That's a whole... Um, I don't want to say art form, but it's definitely... It takes a certain skill to do it and i have my own thoughts as to why this film goes good with this film and and so on and uh when i look at a schedule and i'm really happy with it it's a great feeling and then you know i have to make changes and then i'll have to make changes on top of those changes just to get it back to feeling good about it Mm -hmm. so what's the uh, wtf movie this year the wtf movie is a film called vortex and I got to tell you, we have we have a couple of other films we're showing that could have qualified as a WTF film, but they weren't like as nuts as Night of the Virgin was. 
This one's as nuts as Night of the Virgin. Um, and it's much shorter. It's a French film. I can't even tell you what it's about. It's a guy who's, he's Lebanese and for some reason he's a killer. They kind of go into why he's a killer. Um, but he has to get out of town and he goes on the road and he hooks up with this woman who's this witch who's very connected to, uh, nature and they both have these weird effects on each other and there's a lot of uh, bodily fluids involved and it's it's quite a film all right well i'm sold yeah the one we showed last year what was that it was the uh the one from spain about the the home invasion with the video camera oh yeah yeah i forgot what that film was called but we had some walkouts in that one and if we can get more people into this one we will have more walkouts than that one you know, it's sort of an endurance test, the WPF. And this one is really, it's a first for us because the filmmaker is coming. Oh, nice. So He's the coming first from France. With the film. Yeah. yeah, it's the first time we've ever had a, a filmmaker in attendance for, for a WTF, which should really make things uncomfortable, I think, for the audience. <laughs> and uh, I think he's going to be there the whole week, and uh, that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I, and it's I, gonna be a hell of a Q and A. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to walk out of a movie if you know that the guy. <laughs> I, <'cause>, uh, <laughs> I did, and not because it was it was too gruesome or anything. There was a I won't say the name, but I, I was at a film festival in London, Fright Fest, and uh, the movie was very bad. I'll say, but you went we were sitting in London. Yeah, yeah, last year was a good time. That's awesome. And it was yeah, and it was. Uh, <laughs> Very pretentious movie, and I wanted to leave, but the uh, the maker was sitting, uh, <laughs> a few seats, and I was like, I can't walk out. I just feel horrible. I'm going to introduce him and ask him to sit in the back row, so anybody leaving will have to walk right by him. <laughs> <laughs> so, a very interesting film, too. I mean, it's not just something that's going to shock you. They're like, there's some really cool stuff, and I think people are going to want to know what he was thinking and why he went this way. And, you know, the best WTF is shocking, but also an art film, kind of. Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, what, oh, we got a uh, uh, Read Unbound, which is uh, by Adrian Esposito. Adrian is back again with Read Unbound, a documentary he made with Jerry Landy, who did Bad Radicus last year. And, uh, you know, it's about Joel Reed, the guy who did Blood Sucking Freaks, and there's a lot of clips of Blood Sucking Freaks in there. I, I had actually talked to Troma about um, acquiring Blood Sucking Freaks just for the night to be our WTF, mm -hmm. uh, but then we got a real WTF, so I didn't need to pay Troma money for that. <laughs> and also, so much of the best stuff of Blood Sucking Freaks is in the documentary. Nice. I'm a big fan of Joel Reed and Bloodsucking Freak. So I'm I think you may have mentioned that in the film itself. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> it's, it's a very weird experience to me to now watch documentaries. You know, Adrian's last documentary also had some, he, like he had an interview with Lloyd that he did at Buffalo Dreams. But now I'm seeing the Buffalo Dreams regulars. As talking heads in a documentary, <laughs> you're there. John, my friend John Wren is there. John Carius, who's big in the trauma films, is there. Um, so it's very, it's odd watching these people that <laughs> I talk about movies with at the festival now talking about movies in a film we're showing at the festival. Mm. <laughs> the, lines, yeah, the lines definitely blur, and they blur even more if a couple of shots are out of focus. <laughs> right, right. 
But yeah, I went to meet Joel Reed in uh, in Manhattan, and it was a lot of fun because we walked around uh, New York, and he was talking about like uh, very politically incorrect things. He was like, "This we used to call this the fruit stand because all the Are you- the fags would walk out on." Uh, and he's like, "I miss those days," and it was it was, a, it was an experience. Well, uh, his whole situation has taken a downturn, yeah, and in a- fact. A longer cut of the documentary, which I have not seen, uh, kind of spirals out of control with stuff going on in his personal life and threats made to the filmmakers. And and they cut all that stuff out. And I was like, you got to show this. And they're like, no, we don't want to make anyone look bad. So at the Q&A, we will definitely find out, you know, in postscript what some of the stuff is they weren't able to show us. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see that. And it's unfortunate with Joel because I do like him. Uh, what else is, uh, uh, name some other ones here. A movie called The Special. Um, there is a, a man named Mark Steensland who I first met at the Erie Horror Film Festival. He, he lived in Erie at the time. And I know him as a guy who's done like some short films and he's done some scripts that have been in screenplay competitions. I, I think he's kind of been waiting, you know, to, to make, make his big film. And, I think some, I think the backstory is somebody told him this particular script was more, more suited for a short film than a feature. So he went to a novelist friend of mine, James Newman, and he said, you know, let's flesh this out as a novella. And they wrote it as a novella. And then it became a script again. I'm not sure if James Newman wrote the script with him. Their, their names are both on the film. And, uh, B. Harrison Smith, who directed Death House, uh, is the director who got this film made. And, I haven't seen Death House. I know <laughs> the fans have uh, had some unkind things to say about it. But I will tell you that if if people don't like Death House and they love good horror films, they are going to completely revisit their opinion of B. Harrison Smith because this is a great movie. And I have been telling people that it, it is definitely the next basket case or brain damage. I mean, it's that much of a non-point cult film. And it's about this guy who um, finds out his wife is cheating on him and he's hanging out in a bar and his friend says, hey, uh, you'll feel better if you cheat on her, too. So the friend takes him to a whorehouse and he says, I'm not going to get you any whore. I'm going to get you the special. But you're going to love the special and you're going to want it again. Don't ever go for it again. Once is enough. There's OK, whatever. And guy goes up into the room. And there's a box there with a hole cut out that says, stick it in. (laughs) (laughs) So he does, he follows his instructions and he has the best time of his life. And he becomes with obsessed with what's ever in that box. And he ends up going back to the whorehouse and stealing it. So now he's got this fantasy thing, this creature, whatever's in the box with him all the time. And just like in brain damage, you know, you make a, a deal with the devil You've got to do certain things to keep it happy. And uh, it, it it's one of those films that takes the cons as it's developing. You think they're not really going to take this all the way, are they? And they do. <laughs> and I guarantee this is the film that people are going to be talking about after the festival saying you have to see this movie. That definitely sounds like something I like. Uh, Basket Case of Brain Damage are two of my favorite movies since I was a kid. So, uh, And the whole setup there sounds perfect to me. 
I'm not a fan of Death House, but I do like B. Harrison Smith. Had him on the show a few times. He's a very nice guy. So I'd be I'd be thrilled if uh, he made a really good movie. So I'm looking forward. Um, to it. Well, I'm telling you, B. I have not seen Death House, but I'm telling you, B. Harrison Smith has made a really good movie. Very good. Good. The the, the your description has me very excited. Unlike the box, you should see the special more than once. <laughs> All right, let's see. What what else we have going on here? Echoes, Echoes of Fear, which is a very simple woman goes into a haunted house, ghost does scary things type of movie, except it's the scariest movie we've ever shown. Oh, really? People are going to jump in their seats. People are going to scream. People are going to laugh at themselves for jumping in their seats and screaming. It's that effective. I've seen a few of the movies like The Conjuring and Insidious and stuff. And it's every bit as scary or scarier than those movies. And it deserves a nationwide release, but it's a little indie film, so that's probably not what's going to happen. But this is a chance to see it on a big screen with a great sound system so that it really scares the hell out of you. By the way, I see the uh, the poster now for the special. And uh, even though it's already totally sold, uh, the poster is... Uh, <laughs> pretty awesome yeah. yeah they had a couple of different ones and they were all good but i said that's the one i want <laughs> <laughs> okay. so that's very good uh, uh like is it like a classic horror movie then because you compare it to like um some like haunted house movies you know like modern haunted house yeah. movies with the big jump yeah, yeah. and stuff except somebody pointed out in a thread today that the difference between this and a lot of the films like conjuring and stuff is you don't see the jump scares coming and that's what really makes it kick ass and that filmmaker uh, will be coming out. Oh, nice. Seems like uh, a lot of uh, filmmakers will be here this year. For the special, um, B. Harrison Smith cannot come out because he's in the middle of a move and stuff. But we do have one of the special effects artists coming in, a guy I know. So we will have huh. someone representing the film. Isaac will be there for his film. Um, do you like action movies? Yeah, I'm like you. I kind of like... Uh, it's a weird thing to say, but if I like the movie, I like the movie. It doesn't really matter the genre. We have an action movie called The Mongolian Connection, which uh, is a, a returning filmmaker, Drew Thomas, who did a movie we show called Channeling, which was also uh, released on DVD as Bloodshot. And that one was sort of about a future society where people wore contact lenses that put their life on 24-hour like YouTube, social networking stuff. And this guy got caught up in, in an action conspiracy plot. So you were following through that. It wasn't strictly from his point of view. But but Drew is a very intelligent writer and a, a very professional director. Channeling was probably the first movie that we showed that looked like it had been made in Hollywood. You know, it looked like a, a big budget professional film. And the same thing can be said of the Mongolian Connection, which has a uh, American FBI agent going to Mongolia and teaming up with a tough Mongolian cop to uh, take down this bad guy or, or protect this bad guy from other bad guys. So it is it's like a real big budget Hollywood action movie, except it was made on a much lower budget in Mongolia. And it's got all the stunts and all the action and funny lines. And, uh, I, I predict that at the end of this movie, the audience is going to be cheering. Oh, that's very cool. That sounds interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's excellent. 
Yeah. Uh, you know that Fred Vogel is, is our Indie Genre Spirit Award recipient this year. Fred is from Toe Tag Pictures. He's done all these – Toe Tag Inc., excuse me. He's done all these uh, films which he's self-distributed. And uh, I, I see him as a guy who's a lot like me, who's been in the trenches doing indie films for, for a couple of decades now. And uh, we're happy to have him. And this film, unlike a lot of – Fred is known as a director and, and a special effects artist who does really – realistic effects and most of his movies he's, he's kind of a known for heading the the transgressive film movement uh most of his movies are probably too rough for me this one though is a, a straight-on thriller and uh, it's really good it's about this reporter who who goes to interview a death row inmate uh hours before the guy's execution in this cat and mouse game they have between them that that you don't know how far it's going to spiral uh excellent film great lead performance i don't know the actor's name but it's uh, it's a really good film yeah it's interesting because uh you know i know fred i know fred from con- uh, conventions and right. movies but i've never never had him on the show or anything well now is the time let's get him on before the uh the event yeah that'd be perfect and of course you can interview him while, while yeah, we're there. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean, for us, this particular award, the Indie Genre Spirit Award, it's specifically for guys like that, guys like me, guys like Brett Kelly, guys who just make tons and tons of movies or one movie every few years and don't give up, you know, who, who haven't broken through Hollywood and frankly don't have an interest uh, all that much in Hollywood. Um, that's interesting that he may have, that he made a movie. It's a little bit different because he is known for like the August underground stuff. Yeah. And, like, you know, uh, people might torture porn, whatever you call it. But, uh, it's interesting to make something that maybe that kind of, that, that fan base that's built in might not be their kind of deal or, you know, but I think it's cool to, for anyone to try to make something different. Well, it's funny. Um, I haven't had this conversation with him, but I, every year, his name comes across my mind as we're thinking about the scheduling and I'm thinking about the movies we're going to show. And, and maybe one of those movies would be good as a what a WTF feature. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just never developed beyond the thinking stage. And he and I were communicating on Facebook and he mentioned he had this film that he was really proud of. I was like, Oh, I definitely want to see it. And, and it just went from there. So it's definitely uh, a, a film that developed, as far as our screening goes, just from personal interactions, you know, peer, peer to peer. So, uh, let's see here. What, uh, name it on. Um, we showed a film two years ago. Well, let me go back three years ago. We showed a short film called dogged, which was sort of a, uh, wicker man type of film before folk horror made the full <laughs> right. renaissance that it has. Um, one year later, that filmmaker, and it won our best short that year. One year later, that filmmaker was back with a feature version, uh, Richard Roundtree from England. And uh, the film went over very well at the festival the year that he came. It, it was two years ago. And uh, I, was, I was really happy about that. And now he's back with a new film called Nefarious, which is about a home inv- not so much a home invasion as a burglary gone wrong. And uh, the people committing the robbery are like these young working class lowlifes in, in England who, uh, through a series of an unfortunate, different misfortunate events, they, they really need some money. And they know that the people who live in this one house have just won a lottery. So they're determined to get in there and, and get some money. 
and things go horribly, horribly wrong when they get in there. It's a very low budget film. It's uh, funded on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. It's very stylish. Uh, it's one of those building suspense type of things. And by the end, it, it's full on tilt grindhouse movie. And, uh, I'll tell you that one will be at noon on Saturday. And the reason it's on noon is that he happened to be somewhere near the area. So that's when we could schedule a screening so he could be there in, in person. So it, it will be our first noon world premiere. Very nice poster on the Ferris too. Yeah. Really good. And it's, it's weird. It's, you know, there's a few films I've seen that, um, not necessarily that, that they were my favorite film on first viewing, but they stayed with me. And I have, there's a few of them that I've watched four times at this point. And I've grown to love them (laughs) through the course of multiple viewings. And, uh, that's one of them. Although I knew it was a, I knew it was a, uh, killer film from the beginning, but there's just so much more I see with each viewing. It's got a really unique editing. Uh, style. Yeah. How, how long does that take you then to uh, to to get this down to twenty five films? If you're watching some of these multiple times, um, most of the ones that are a no are a no on one viewing. Mm-hmm. If if I don't like a film, I don't have to go back and look at it again. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. when you start getting down to the wire and you have to choose between films that I find myself rewatching them. Yeah. You know, because I want to give I want to give everyone a fair shot, sure. and I also want to um, give the audience a fair shot. <laughs> I want the audience to know that when they go to watch a film, it's something that I liked for some reason. Maybe they'll share that opinion. Maybe they won't. Yeah. Do you finish all the movies that are submitted? Ninety nine percent of them. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, we'll get something that's like intentionally like really bad VHS quality. And I know it's going to look like shit on a screen. And if that film doesn't have something going for it, I'm not watching it for more than an hour. You know what I, what I typically do if I have two lap, laptops going and if I don't like something, my mind will wander and I'll be doing other things. Mm-hmm. But let's put it this way. When a film is not good, you know, it right away, it's when a film has stuff going for it that it's hard. Or um, we had this one that was like two hours and 10 minutes long and sort of like eyes wide shut, you know, a lot of weird orgies and things like that. I mean, it was an interesting film, just nothing about the story grabbed my attention. And I watched that right to the end and and watched about half of it again. Does, uh, does the time of a movie ever factor in, um, I don't know if maybe people like submit like three or four hour. Like, does anyone submit like really long, like epic movies? The only way I'm showing a three hour movie is if the director's name is Isaac Esbon. Um, (laughs) Now, what we make a part of our rules that a feature shouldn't be more than two hours. People don't really read the the rules. You know, they they go to Film Freeway, they see something about the festival they like, and they submit. And if we love a movie, we're not going to care if it's two hours or two hours and ten minutes. But just as a scheduler, not a programmer, there's a difference. But just as a scheduler, I'm happy if a movie I like is 85 minutes. Yeah. But by the way, with so many um, festivals and the, they keep coming up, um, for people, uh, uh, for like new directors, independent directors, what should they look for? Even if they don't submit to Buffalo, but what are, what are things people should look for when submitting 
to a festival? Well, specifically genre directors should be wary of festivals that say all genres are welcome. You look at the name of that festival, <laughs> and if nothing about it suggests dark, <laughs> right. darkness, they're saying they accept horror films just because they want your submission fee. So, I mean, you, you want to weed out the ones that uh, they clearly are not interested in horror, because if they do show a horror film, it is going to have to be a top-notch horror film. They're not going to take a chance on somebody just because they think they have some talent and they're going to go places, you know, that they're going to evolve as artists. One, one of our missions is to, you know, support these filmmakers to, 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 to promote them, to continue promoting them after we show the films. I mean, uh, we kind of, you commented that people know each other. We, so far we have maintained this sort of evolving, growing Buffalo dreams family family. And that's the direction we want to keep heading in. A lot of festivals aren't about that. That's not a criticism. I just say they have, they have different, strengths than we do and we have different strengths than they have and everyone has their own mission on what they want to achieve oh, um, but a filmmaker should definitely read um the festival's directions as far as what they're looking for mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't <laughs> they just submit something and you're like this is this is not for us and you know we're not going to refund your money just because you didn't read what we're looking for I noticed you said once on a Facebook something about online festivals. What are your opinions on those? I think they're the worst. Uh, first of all, if you're going to a film festival, you want your film seen by an audience. You want it there by an audience. You want, you want it on a big screen. That's another thing. I mean, I think the festivals that are parts of conventions where they just show it in a banquet room, I think that's that's a waste of time. They yeah. accept a lot of films and, you know, people will go in and rest while they're not walking around the con. But, you know, it's not good presentation. There's not good audience. There's usually horrible communication with the festival directors. Yeah, I've been to a lot of those and they're, they're very rarely there's been exceptions like just like anything. Um, when I was in t- actually the one in t- at Texas, um, Frightmare, uh, there was a lot of people there and they were excited. But usually it's very it's very dead. And this way you said people just kind of come in just to get off their feet for a little bit. Yeah. There was one I went to in Seattle because uh, I used to do a lot of festival. I mean, uh, conventions before I did the festivals. But I think I fit in better with the festivals. And we went to um, this one and we were literally there was no one there but the but the two of us. And we felt bad, and and uh, the woman that was running it, um, she was like, "Well, if you two are going to enjoy the movies, I'll keep running them." But so so we sat there and watched them. But it just it's just the it's a sad, like depressing feeling. Well, the other thing about an online festival is that it, they you know they brag about how it goes out all over the world and stuff. What you've done if you if you go with an online festival is you have allowed them to distribute your movie around the world. And you're not getting any money. You've paid them the submission fee. And when you go to your distributor and say, oh, yeah, I was in this online festival, a distributor is going to say, well, then why should we release your film? <laughs> you know, it's it's the most counterproductive move I can think of. I would strongly it's not my position to slam other festivals, but I would strongly advise filmmakers never, ever to do an online film festival. Uh, I, uh, I've been doing the festivals. There is something, like you said, too, to watch 
have your even if you're not there, uh, people watch a movie and they interact with each other and and then yeah. people talk about it. You know, it's uh, a lot. Of, it's since I've been doing the festivals, it's, it's really one of the things that's cool. I, I like the the community aspect, like I mentioned. But yeah. also, like I see the same see the, see the same people in different movies, and yeah, there's a, there's just a different vibe. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff was uh, like I got to see a year before they they come up on Shutter or something, and yeah. it, you know, and, and you could tell like they got a buzz on the festivals, and then they pop up a year later on Shutter, and it's already got a buzz behind it because people saw it at the festival, and uh, it's just a, it's a positive experience. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> They're yeah. great. That's that's why I do it. Um, and there are so many now it's funny i you know because i have my own film i I had reason to look at the different festivals that are out there now and there's there's too many to keep keep track of there are so many festivals now and uh so many this year are first year festivals or second year festivals and uh you know that's fine but does every town need a film festival i don't know right yeah, because you never want to knock any, because everyone at some point was their first year. Correct. Correct. But, I remember our first year very well. <laughs> right. Well, I guess, would that be something else to look for? Like, uh, is it a festival, are there other festivals in that same area? So if there's like a, like multiple festivals in that same area that all show like uh, your genre films, you know, do you want to yeah. be in like, you know, the third of, of the best one or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look, look, Georgia's an example. There are so many horror festivals in Georgia. I don't know anything about any of them. I can't comment, but I would have a hard time navigating through that. And I'm sure there's all sorts of politics involved, and maybe if you show at one festival one year, they don't want you, you know, another festival doesn't want you, you know, for your next film. Who knows? Right. Yeah. What, I know that's, that's how the convention started to be, was uh, when I first went, uh, there was probably politics. I just didn't know anything about it, but the more I, I got into them, uh, it's very political, and then they started doing like uh, no compete clauses. So, like, if you were yes. at a convention, yes. you know, and some, then you couldn't do this other convention. And yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, it's very, fun. it's very silly, and it's very competitive because they've become autograph shows, and autograph shows make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if if I catch a whiff for that, I just say I don't know anything about that. Don't want to be involved. Well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So people. Uh, I made a lot of friends at the conventions because I, I do like them, but there was a lot of stuff I didn't like. But uh, a lot of people don't like uh, what didn't like Gunnar Hansen because they thought he was rude, but I got along with him very well. And uh, one convention we were at, and we were both uh, live on the East Coast, and uh, there was a big storm, so our flight was delayed for hours. So he actually bought me Chinese, and we ate Chinese in the lobby for hours. And uh, he like just told me all these things to look out for at the convention scenes, and uh, one of the things was the uh, no compete clauses, and uh, it was just it was a good time, and uh, he was a good guy. Well, we have something in common. I met him on the the circuit as well, and I had him over to my house for dinner once. Oh, very cool. And he's one of the few guys who knew sandwich because usually I just say from I'm from Cape Cod because no one will know sandwich, but he's like, oh, I used to uh, he used to like was on a fishing boat that went out of side of the Sandwich Canal, and I was like, wow, it's very odd. The great thing about Gunner is he had this whole other life. They had nothing to do with horror films, and uh, that's what kept him sane. Yeah, yeah, that's what I I kind of found. When we talked to him; is he really didn't want to talk about horror movies or or Texas Chains. He just liked to talk about. Uh, we talked a lot about TV shows, like stuff on HBO and, and Showtime. He was happy to talk about the other Leatherface, though. 
What, which was that? Uh, the guy who replaced him in TC. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's like, I was, well, there's one guy, then there's two, then I found out there's two, but from now what I understand, there's actually three different people who played Leatherface in part two. Well, there's, there's also like 10 different guys who were the first Michael Myers. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they all kind of uh, argue. Well, uh, one guy, but I know one guy gets very mad. Uh, it doesn't matter. But I know uh, I've known over the years, even like I was um, Jason from Friday Thirteenth Part uh, Two. Was, um, there was a big controversy. Who you know? Because the one guy wasn't credited for a long time, and then the guy that was credited supposedly was only in the scene when he's not mad and doesn't have the mask on. I don't. It dates back to the battle between the two creatures from the Black Lagoon, the land creature and the sea creature, the lagoon creature, arguing for who is the real one, and they wouldn't appear at the same conventions. And I would love to make a movie about that. Yeah, yeah. I, we had Ben Chapman on the the, the land uh, creature. He's a very yeah. nice guy. We never. Uh, he's still he's still around too. Uh, the the uh, Rico Browning. But Rico Browning had him still alive. Yeah. Yeah. He had a whole other career uh directing underwater scenes on sea hunt and things like that mm-hmm. yeah i remember reading about it. it was really interesting like how they found him it said like he was like a a merman in like a some kind of hotel like so they had like they had like living uh like almost like a living aquarium with people like swimming yeah. around yeah. I was like, oh, that's pretty wild seems like something from like a dystopian you know futuristic movie speaking of dystopian futures there we go. We have a science fiction film called The Tangle. And I think the filmmakers are coming out for Q&A. And this is the first year that we have like four films that could be considered science fiction film. And they're all really good. Uh, but this one blew me away. And it's kind of like a 70s sci-fi film. And I think it, it would be a real cult film back in that time. And uh, The Tangle is sort of this living embodiment of the Internet that prevents people from committing crimes and it's about these people who live in an underground complex in in rooms where they monitor things involving this thing called the tangle and it's what happens when somebody actually does commit a murder so in this essence it's almost like uh, that alfred bester novel the demolished man uh where it's telepathic society so you can't commit murder so it's it's a society where it's impossible to commit murder, but a murder happens. And there's four or five people who are underground in this room who have to figure out what's going on. And uh, the acting's phenomenal. It's got a film noir feeling like uh, Blade Runner, obviously on a smaller scale. It goes outside just enough and shows you what this world's like so that you don't feel like you're just in a room for the whole movie. And it has the best damn dialogue of any film we've ever gotten. And the fascinating about the thing about this film is it's a mystery, so it's who done it. But the other mystery is what the hell is happening in this world. It's as the film goes on through the dialogue, you understand these different concepts. And with each layer of the script, each stage of the script, you piece together a little bit more about what's happening in this environment, in this world that resulted in the actions that we're going to see. So it's a really smart movie and uh, it actually begs to be seen more than once. Uh, so I'm happy we'll have people's first viewing of it, but they will need to see it again. I'm looking forward to that. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, dystopian. Uh, I was thinking just dystopian future, but I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of that uh, in movies or stories. We're kind of uh, living. The interesting thing about this one also is that the filmmaker Christopher Soren Kelly, I think I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. We have so many new filmmakers this year. I'm still in the process of getting their names down. I'm, you know, I'm already emailing them and stuff, but uh, it won't be until I, I'm there in person that I'll have it completely down. Uh, anyways, he wrote it, he directed it, and he's one of the four main stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really impressive. And it's a really visual film, even though it's mostly people talking in a room. So uh, definitely one to catch. Yeah. So, uh, By the way, why isn't uh, Widow's Point uh, playing? Who says it isn't? Oh, could be. It's, well, it's not announced, I guess. It's if it is, it's not announced because I would not want to take any of the wind out of the sails of the filmmakers we're presenting. There you go. I I, I appreciate that. Respect to that. Let's see here. Uh, I know uh, there was one I definitely want to talk about. Do you, do you have another one on my uh, mind that you wanted to say? Another science fiction movie called Volition, which is. Uh, We've had a few films that in basic description sound like this. Um, this is about a clairvoyant who, who witnesses his own uh, murder, so he wants to stop that. And the guy is cool because he's sort of an edgy, borderline criminal type guy, kind of a low life, but you know it's because of this power he has. But there's also some time travel going on. And, and we've had like three films like this, which are contemporary time travel, you know, to the, the same. Like it might be going back in time days or weeks or a year. So it's still, still the same recognizable world, but you see everything from a different point of view when you come back to the present. This one, though, um, it's interesting. They describe it as a cerebral science fiction film, but I think it's very fast paced and has a lot of action. So if it's a science fiction film and it's fast paced and has action and it's cerebral, it sounds like it's a, a pretty damn good science fiction film, and it really is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we have a local film that is definite cult material, and uh, it's one that people won't be able to see unless they find it. You know, like uh, that that Todd Haynes movie, Superstar. It gets passed around at conventions and stuff. Yeah. And that is a film called Catcher in the Rye with Diamonds, mm-hmm. and it's uh, about the last days, the days preceding uh, Mark David Chapman's murder of John Lennon. And if you know the story at all, he was not just obsessed with Lennon. He was obsessed with Catcher in the Rye, the book Catcher in the Rye. So what this film does is it combines Catcher in the Rye with the last days leading up to John Lennon's murder. So it's basically Mark David Chapman as the main character in Catcher in the Rye. Using dialogue, uh, narration from the novel, using Beatles songs, using everything about this movie is unauthorized. Music, dialogue. <laughs> yeah, say the Beatles gave them. Yeah. And uh, they've shown it a number of times around town and just not charged for it. We're not charging it for it either, but we're not making it available to the public unless they have one of the, the, the all-week passes or a day pass. Or if they see a movie that same day, then, then they're welcome to say and see that movie as well. Um, that's one that is really going to catch you by surprise and you're really going to think about afterwards. Yeah. I love the idea. It's very, uh, very original. 
very high concept, borderline experimental, and just surprisingly involving. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, let's see. I just wanted to mention too, when you do the Q and A's, I thought yeah, you're very good at them because uh, you ask some stuff that I don't think a lot of people would think to ask, and a lot of it is because of your experience as a filmmaker. So uh, you know, you asked about distribution and how people get uh, certain shots and stuff. So I found those uh, very interesting to uh, you know to, to watch. Well, it's interesting that you say that because one thing I noticed is. A few year, years ago, we would bill ourselves in some of our, like our film freeway page as uh, a film festival by filmmakers. And what I've noticed over the last few years is there are a lot of film festivals out there that are film festivals by filmmakers. You just haven't heard of their films, um, which isn't to say everyone's heard of my films. I, I know they haven't. I know I'm, I'm an obscure filmmaker, but I, I do think that what you're saying is 100% correct. I definitely have a, uh, an empathy. For, for the filmmakers and what they go through and, and know, understand what they go through. And I think I have a good way of uh, eliciting answers from them in a way that the audience will understand. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, something along those lines, because um, I get screeners from some of these places, but uh, it seems like um, usually when I have a, a, a young director on or a new director, they almost always have a, a horror story about uh, the distribution of their first movie. Either, you know, it's coming up or they just did it and they get, you know, they get cheated. Well, what are some of the things people uh, should look out for? Well, here's the problem. They should look out for the world because what's happening <laughs> is, uh, number one, that uh, the YouTube and the Internet is the worst thing that ever happened to independent filmmaking. You're, you're, as soon as the day your film's released, it gets pirated. It's out there and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, the Internet seems to exist solely to screw over independent filmmakers. But the other thing that's happening is that the mega corporations are taking over other mega corporations, and it's just becoming harder and harder to get distribution. Uh, this is something Lloyd Kaufman talks about a lot. Now, when Lloyd is ranting about it, um, you, you say, wait a minute, is this just a selling tool? How passionate is he about this? He's very passionate about but he's correct. The rise of the major corporations is such a devastating thing for the independent filmmakers because it means the only distributors that are out there are the ones who aren't going to pay you money up front. None of them will anymore. They'll take your film. They'll throw it on video on demand platforms, which you could do yourself. They won't promote it. They won't spend advertising dollars. They'll send out some press releases and that's it. That's all you can get right now if you don't have name talent involved. And uh, it sucks. <laughs> and the one good thing about film festivals is that if you can get into festivals and, you know, we all get rejected, I, I still get rejections, uh, is that if you get in, you have a way to show your film to an audience and interact with people and know that your movie is real. It's not just something sitting in your hard drive or in your DVD player that you can watch or something that you can buy on Amazon that no one's ever heard of. It's it's so hard to get distribution now. It really is. Um, one of the other films we're showing you and I had discussed is Depraved, Larry Fessenden's film. Mm -hmm. Well, Larry's been at this the same amount of time as I have. He's had a much more successful career, and he's, he's, a, he's a real artist. I'm just, I'm a craftsman, I admit it. Uh, he's now at the point where he gets good distribution. That, that film's going to be released by IFC. 
So he is in a better position. Isaac is now in a better position. But I can tell you that Isaac's movies, El Incidente and, and the similars, I mean, yeah, they're on Netflix, but the, the distribution is so-so. I mean, how, how do your investors get money back? It, it's very tough. And now Isaac's stepping up. He's got, you know, studios signing him to development deals. That's two guys <laughs> out of I don't know how many filmmakers that have been coming to our festival for 10 years. Yeah. And, and that is the reason why so many people give up. You know, and, and there comes a point where, you know, you, you want to know you have a job with a 401k, so you're not going to be on the streets or working in a hardware store when you're 70 years old. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation along those lines with Tony Todd years ago. It was um, his movie Sushi Girl at the time. It was the most downloaded uh, movie that year. And he said people would come up to him and say, well, that must make you proud or whatever. And he's like, no, it doesn't make me proud. I was a producer on that. So, you yeah. know, I didn't make any, I put my own money into it. And it's not, uh, I didn't get anything about it. And he also talked about, like, uh, back when DVDs, like, he made good money off Candyman and, uh, and movies like, and his other movies. Because uh, he said, if you think about it, someone would go and spend, you know, even $2 on that DVD to rent it. He said, but now with Netflix, people spend like $7 a month for like hundreds to thousands of movies. So how much do you think you're, you know, are going to get, you know, off of... Off well, you don't, you don't get royal, you don't get royalties from Netflix either. I will uh, tell you that if a film is not good enough for Netflix to lock up and premiere before it's gone to any festivals and they don't want it to go to any festivals, if you don't get, have that type of situation, a film that you see on Netflix, they paid $2,500 for, for a two year exclusive. What the fuck are you going to do with $2,500? That $2,500, you're going to spend on delivery materials you have to give to them so they can put it up. Um, well, what, do you, what are your thoughts on video on demand? I mean, it's hard to go back and just have people just buy, like, you know, DVDs and stuff. You know, some, pe- some people still do, but, like, I don't think, you know, we're never going to go back where people are just buying DVDs. But well, what are your thoughts on video on demand in general? Video on demand is great if you have a movie with name actors. If you have a movie with name actors, you're going to get picked up by a distributor who will put it on VOD. And when you go through your guide on your remote, you'll see that movie advertised. And so you know people are going to watch it and you can make a profit that way. But if you don't have names in your movie and you just go with some shitty distributor, that distributor is going to do what I said. They're going to upload the film. They're going to put it out there. They're going to send a press release. They'll tweet about it three or four times. And if the movie doesn't catch on, they will completely forget about it. They will move on to the next one. Their whole business model is to acquire as many films as possible, throw them at the wall, see what sticks, and then go with that one that sticks. There's no guarantee of getting your money. There's no guarantee that you can get the rights back to your film in less than five years, maybe three years if you're lucky. And by then, it's an old title. What are you going to do? Retitle it? Shoot some new scenes and retitle it? So it's brutal, brutal out there for filmmakers. You either have to make bigger films with some names or you have to make smaller films that can, you know, stand to to pull in maybe $10,000 in its lifetime. So... Besides just uh, having your movie uh, shown to an audience, what do you think are some of the benefits uh, for a film uh, maker to go to the festivals? Well, you know how an audience reacts to it. You know where you succeeded, where you failed. 
Um, it's good to always be doing something, <laughs> whether it's big or small. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interacting with the other filmmakers and seeing their films yeah. and learning from them. What, what, you know, what pitfalls did they hit? What successes did they have? What news did they have that you hadn't heard yet? Uh, the value of networking at a film festival is, uh, very hard to put a price on. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Even, uh, I primarily do the, the podcast, but, uh, I've got some small roles and, and different things that's coming out. And, uh, but also, you know, get a lot of guests on the show. And, uh, and then I see other, you know, filmmakers who get together and, uh, you know, collaborate. And it's, it's definitely a big, uh, positive of the festival scene. Did we have Trinity when you were up? Skip Shea's film, Trinity? I don't think I, so. Oh, it was about the uh, the the grown man who oh. encounters the priest who molested his wife. I, I I don't think I saw it there, but I actually saw it at another festival, and I, I know him. It. Well, Skip came up for like four days. Yeah, yeah basically, I when I saw the film. I said, "Listen, I I very often email the filmmakers, the the feature filmmakers. In fact, I emailed ninety percent of them this year and let them know why I I didn't uh, choose the film." You know, that it isn't just because we didn't have room, that there, that there were reasons I made the decision. But I, I initially contacted him and I said, this is a really good film, but I don't think I can get anyone in here to watch it. And, and I don't know that it's worth your time for me to put on a film for, for an empty audience. And he said, you know, I completely understand. It's difficult material. And then I thought about it and I said, fuck it. This is why we run a film festival, so we can show the movies we want, and hopefully we can get people to turn out for them. So we ended up showing it, and then he ended up coming for four days. And while he was there, he he met and befriended so many of the other filmmakers, and he has his own film festival, uh, which is in honor of his daughter who passed away. Yeah. And he had some of the filmmakers come up for his festival. And while he was in at the festival, he would go back to his hotel and work on a script that someone had hired him to make. And, and to me, that's the perfect example of somebody who is doing it for the right reason, who's going to festivals for different reasons. And he actually has another film, um, a folk horror film called Seed or Seeds, uh, that I really wanted to premiere. <laughs> I wanted that film, uh, but it's, it's just not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's really, yeah. I uh, hung out with him a little bit at uh, Boston Underground Film Festival this year because, uh, he's in New England too. So. But yeah, yeah I, I like his stuff, and uh, I've not been to the, I think it's Shea O'Shaughnessy uh, Film Festival, but uh, I probably will go this year. Um, I actually submitted to that one, and if I get in, I probably will make the trip. I would love to get into a festival where I can take my family for like three days and, and basically do what the filmmakers do, come see me. It always turns out that when I get into one, either I can't make the trip, or because I can't afford to take the family, I, I go and come back really fast. Uh, so I, I would actually like to do one where I can go hang out for a few days. Yeah. Like the cool filmmakers do. The good ones. Who <laughs> Buffalo Dreams. All right. All right. So, uh, uh, by the way, the Depraved poster, it, it brings back memories for me. It's got all these uh, staples. I had uh, 72 staples after my surgery. So. Well, who knows? Maybe they they snuck a, a still in the, in the surgery. Maybe that's <laughs> who knows. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You know, that's a, that's another case, Depraved, which will be our closing night film, Larry Fessenden's modern Frankenstein film, um, and Isaac's film were like the two that I really had to jump through hoops on. And uh, the Mongolian connection 
was one where the filmmakers were in a position I understand, you know, there there are major fest genre festivals happening right around this time. And sometimes they got to wait and see if they got into some before they can commit to us because other festivals insist on having premiere status. We never do. Um, but those are sort of the three films that I, I kind of had to work on to, to get. Yeah. It's not, well, just, it's not just what gets submitted and we choose the best. You know, we, we go after films as well because we really do want the best, whether they're submitted to us or not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested in that because uh, I'm a huge Frankenstein fan. Myself. And I love, love Fairy, uh, Larry Fessenden stuff. So, uh, and Larry's, Larry's first film was a Frankenstein movie it's called No Telling. And that's one that most people haven't seen. It's had body or distribution. And uh, it it was Frankenstein conceptually, but not so much the plot. The plot of this one has a lot more similarities to the, the actual story. Hmm. Interesting. I know in your write-up, you mentioned it's kind of a theme in, in uh, some of his uh, films. Yeah, well, I, uh, I've known Larry for about 20 years. I knew him reasonably well when i was in new york city i worked at a, a video store a block from his house and he knew the owners so we got to know each other that way um but i i followed his stuff because of that and i, I wrote a filmmaking book called cheap scares where i alternated instructional chapters with interviews with people in different areas of of the, the filmmaking process and i did a real in-depth interview with him so uh yeah, I, I got to know what he's he's about in terms of the themes he chases and what, what he's trying to achieve. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, by the way, uh, do you have a favorite uh, version of uh, of Frankenstein? I do. My favorite Frankenstein is uh, Frankenstein: The True Story, the TV the TV miniseries, which bears very little resemblance to the novel. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I haven't seen that for a long time, but uh, I was always. and James Mason are in that cast. It's a fantastic movie. And then I, my other one is also a TV movie. It's a, the super low budget shot on video one that Dan Curtis did with Bo Svensson as the monster. And I actually think Bo Svensson, uh, walking tall, was was the best Frankenstein monster, the one closest to the one in the book. I don't think I've ever seen that one. That's a good one, Neil. I think you yeah. like it. Yeah. Have, Have you, you seen, seen the? Oh, you go on, Troy. No, no. You're gonna ask. You're, no, I you're think gonna ask you the were same question. The exact same thing. Yeah. If you had seen ask. the, uh... ask it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's too weird. Then. <laughs> but the um, <laughs> the British play uh, with with Benedict Cumberbatch, the Frankenstein one. I have not. Um, it, it's tremendous. It's really, really great. You guys have had Sebastian Godin on, correct? Seb. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Seb is my Canadian bastard and I'm his American father, but <laughs> he is the ultimate Frankenstein fan and he has seen every version. And I heard him talking about that one. Uh, I, I can't keep up with what that kid watches. I mean, every day he's holding up a <laughs> DVD or something. Uh, yeah, but I would recommend it I, uh, around here anyway, uh, uh, during Halloween, some, some place will play it. And what's cool is there's two different versions that, that have been filmed. Where they, they alternate the actors. Yeah. 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 They alternate who plays Frankenstein, who plays the we'll yep. monster, who plays the doctor. And that's, uh, I can't remember the scene. other guy. Who Who's the other guy, Neil? He, he plays Sherlock on uh, TV. Yeah, I'm that's not positive. I think he, that's Cumberpatch, right? Well, he does the BBC one. Oh, this guy oh. does the one with, um, I think it's Luke. called Elementary. 
Oh, I know. I know. Uh, Lucy Liu is, is yep. Watson. She's Watson, right? Oh, it's the guy. He starred in a version of Cupid. I, I know who you mean. He, yeah. yeah, and they switch off the roles, and and both of them are great. I mean, either one you see, like uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Well, Seb tells me one is definitely better in one role than the other. And I, I defer to Seb on all things Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, you mentioned Basket Case earlier in the thing, and uh, this is a weird tangent, but uh, I, I've been carving Frankenstein's monster in rock in uh, in Hunter Mountain, and my <laughs> and my and my teacher is Kevin Van Hentenrick. Oh yeah. Case. yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Kevin, I worked with on brain damage. And he was in my film Dry Bones. He came to Buffalo uh, for a week weekend to shoot some scenes, and and I learned all about that rock stuff. And then a yeah. year later, we hung out with him. We we went to this great convention called Shockstock in Canada. But yeah, we, I know. Yeah. we went the year that the convention was under siege by a hockey tournament that was played in the streets all around the block. So nobody came in. So the vendors just hung out all the whole weekend. So we got to hang out with him again. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, Kevin's awesome. He's a very cool guy. <laughs> and uh, not to just be pat myself on the back, but uh, when Joe Bob Briggs, uh, when he when he showed Basket Case for on um, uh, for the shutter, he was saying stuff on there, and I was like, "Wow, this is like stuff I've actually said on the show." It's very strange. And then when he emailed me to come on the show, which was a big honor for me, uh, he mentioned that he watched my videos with Kevin. Uh, for for research to, when he was doing the basket case about what Kevin was doing uh, recently with the uh, with uh, uh, stone carving. So, so this so, is a roundabout way of saying that Joe Bob ripped you off. That he pretty stole, much, but that he stole but he, your stick. <laughs> but he did it in a nice way. But he, he did it in a way where I actually felt cool about it. But now <laughs> he put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> But he, he didn't say that. He didn't say that part on the show when I had a bond. But he he said it in the email. So. You should have read the email back to him. <laughs> right, <that's pretty> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, ones we had. Well, did you mention Animal Among Us? I have not mentioned Animal Among Us. Um, it's it's sort of a Bigfoot movie. It's sort of a creature feature movie. It's a micro budget movie that has really good production values. And uh, the filmmaker is a very nice guy, and he is coming out. And he seems really excited and. We've got his his film scheduled at the end of the weekend, so that uh, he has a reason to be there when when all the other uh, out of town filmmakers are there. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Have you seen the film? Have you had him on as a guest? I have not, and uh, I am a fan of Bigfoot. They're not always the best. I'm not saying anything about this because I've seen it, but Bigfoot movies aren't always the best. They are not. But- <laughs> but there, there are some very good ones that I do like. So I'm and looking they, forward. They, to they it. can be the perfect movie for like a Saturday afternoon or something. Yeah, definitely. This no, one I've not had him on. So this one uh, actually impressed me because there's a lot of night shooting at this camp, and there's a lot of scenes of people driving around on those ATVs and things. So it, it feels like a much bigger film than it is, and they they have the cameras you know, moving with the people. So it's got some nice production value and it's, it's got some twists and I can't even hint to what those are without spoiling the film. So I, I don't want to say too much about the film, except yeah. that the poster makes it clear. This is a movie about a monster. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Is, is uh, Seb going to be there? Seb says as, as long as something in his life doesn't happen, he will be there for the opening weekend, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. So gives, him, gives him and my daughter a chance to uh, reconnect their frenemy relationship. Oh, is there something going on there? My daughter's just very obnoxious to him. She's not obnoxious <laughs> to anybody, but she is obnoxious to him. All right. But last year, last year he had to leave before she got to say goodbye, and she was very hurt by that. So, oh, all right. I'm glad he'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Seb's a very cool guy. I'm. I, I like Seb. He's he's part of not just part of the Buffalo. He's more of the Buffalo family more than he's part of the Buffalo Dreams family because he spent the time up here on Johnny Gruesome and got to know a lot of the people around here. Yeah. I, I might have asked this, I'm not sure, but how did you uh, first connect? Well, it's funny, I knew Seb as a Facebook guy, uh, somebody who knew a lot about movies. I constantly, you know, that's all you see in his, his thread. He's not like me bitching about everything that's going on <laughs> in politics. He's always talking about movies, always. Every single post is about movies. And I knew him as that, and uh, I actually asked him to send me a video audition for Johnny Gruesome. I was talking to my wife about it. And I always like every one of my films. I like to get somebody young and enthusiastic, maybe without a lot of set experience involved. That's my personal way of paying it forward. And he gave me a good audition, but he was just startlingly younger looking than the other actors. And it, it just would not have played right. So I asked him to come and, and shoot behind the scenes footage and stuff. So that's how we be, ended up becoming friends. But he reminded me when he came up here that when he was 14 he had some actor committed to do a voice role for one of his films and the guy fell out at the last minute so he contacted me out of the blue and for some reason i said yes so i had helped him out on one of these little films of his years before i actually met him Hmm. and didn't remember yeah yeah yeah, I, I, same way though. I see him pop up all the time on my Facebook and it's, a, it's a, just nonstop uh, movies. And now I feel bad because I'm like, wow, he watches way more movies than I do. And I'm doing this uh, show every week. But What I find <laughs> is that uh, anytime a new Godzilla movie comes out, mm-hmm. I end up hoping it's a good movie for his sake because <laughs> he invests so much time in the countdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually it doesn't matter if it sucks or not because he loves it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did did he did he like the last one? Uh, he uh, did. King of the Monsters. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that one myself. I liked it a lot myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was. It was very weird. Some of the things I saw people say because some people said it was uh, too much monsters, which made no sense to me. Then there was people who said it wasn't enough monsters, which neither one made sense to me. I think thought the problem was there were too many people, too many humans. Yeah. Right. I, I hated the story, but people kept saying, you know, if you think about it. If you remove those famous faces and insert some Japanese people there, it really is a wacky story like the, like Toho would have done in the 60s. And, and I buy that. That kind of makes sense. But I liked it so much, I went back and watched it uh, by myself so that my daughter wouldn't be asking me questions during the movie. And I don't go see Holly, you know, blockbuster movies twice usually. Yeah. It w- that was a movie that was fun to watch on the big screen. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially if you like an IMAX, uh, I saw an IMAX. So, uh, I remember just seeing the trailer, and I the, the the trailer where there's one trailer where it's mostly people, and I wasn't too big on that. But there's a trailer where it's just like the uh, I think it's Ghidra's, uh like a uh, it's just like a like a two minute shot of that. And I remember watching it on the uh, IMAX, and I was looking at my phone for a while because it was other trailers I've seen like 
dozens of times, and then that popped up. I was like, oh, wow, that is pretty, that is pretty sweet. It's kind of, you know, like, I gotta go see this now. Let's see, the, uh, you know what we'll be playing that week? Do you think we'll, do you think we'll get sick of any, uh, music? Like, like last year was the end of, um, <laughs> it was the end of a star is born that's right yeah so and, i heard that many many times and i you know we watched that movie a couple of weeks ago me and my wife and when i heard that song it, it was definitely <laughs> a vietnam flashback not the goddamn shallow so, <laughs> so uh, yeah i don't know what'll be playing spider-man's there right now the, the theater has changed they're they're showing more uh commercial programming which I think is good for the festival because when I get a festival trailer in there and get the posters up and everything, I think the audience seeing these commercial films, even though small audience, um, is more likely to check out the festival than the 70 year old art house audience that used to go there. Yeah. 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 Troy hates, Troy hates the music for that movie and he wasn't even at the uh, festival. <laughs> no, no, I've never even seen the movie and I hate yeah, the, music. the movie. It's easy to be annoyed by the movie, even if you haven't seen it. Uh, when I watched it, I kept thinking, well, this isn't for me, but I don't understand the hate for it. Okay. And, and as the week went on, I, I kind of developed a hatred for it. <laughs> so so you learned to hate this movie. This is good. Something supernatural about this film, you know, <laughs> like Ringu. Right, right. The movie that makes you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so tomorrow you're going to, uh, I think you said tomorrow, you were going to do it today, but yet, so there were some technical issues. So tomorrow you're going to announce the, uh, the shorts. Yes. We are going to announce the shorts. And, and uh, it would be where, Go ahead. I was asked where could people follow that, but uh, finish what you're going to say. Everything is on the Facebook page. What we do is we, we announce things in stages on Facebook. And then once we've announced everything right down to the schedule, then we get our website updated. We get everything on the website. So Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And now what were you saying before that? I was going to name a couple of uh, short films that we have accepted. But then I remembered that one of those short films has a title that I don't know how the fuck to pronounce. So it'll just have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> All right. <fair> <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's there's times when I have uh I've guests on, and I'd, uh not too often with the guests, but there'll be something I don't have, and I'll actually uh I'll uh look it up on YouTube to to find out how to pronounce certain yeah. things. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but sometimes yeah, as long as the guy on YouTube doesn't screw that it is, up, that is very true because that's happened before, and I was like, oh, well, now I know how to say it, and then <laughs> it, it turned out that guy. Or, or girl, whoever totally butchered it. Then I just yeah, let me look at my documents and see if I have. No, I don't have the short films open right now. That's all right. So we'll we'll check those out on the uh, Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. Facebook yes, page. yes. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I had a great time last year. I think this is the year uh, everything comes together for us. I mean, I, it, we always have a great time, and people always leave saying it was a good festival. But uh, I think uh, in terms of programming, there are just so many strong films playing throughout the week um, and so many filmmakers coming in, and we have enough time to to iron out any uh, technical flaws that uh, I think this year is really going to kick ass. And I think it's the year – I'm. I, 
we have to establish ourselves as a summer festival now instead of a post Halloween festival. So, but I think this is the year that uh, people will recognize that. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a smart idea because I know I've known other people who try to um, start something new around uh, Halloween or whatever, and uh, people are kind of set in their ways. They have certain things they're going to do in Halloween, and I agree. I'd rather go watch movies in Halloween or around Halloween. So I do think that's a good idea, though, to do uh, pre-Halloween. Uh, summer is just a whole different time here in the city, and and it's easier for me to do my running around when my daughter's on vacation because I don't have to worry about getting home and picking her up and then picking my wife up an hour. It's just it cuts down on my running around and and makes things easier for a lot of reasons. So uh, hopefully it works out, and we'll we'll continue in this slot. And uh, if not, then we'll pop back to November. We can always do that. Sure. And I'll have some cheat days, so I'll, I'll still have some beef on whack and nice. some buffalo wings. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you that. You've been on this killer diet. You've lost uh, all this weight. And now what? The, are you just going to be bad this week? Uh, Well, not totally. I'll, uh, you know, I'll watch my portions and. And then certain things, but I'll have I'll have to cheat at some point. Uh, like I'll, I'll watch what I drink, especially that's a big thing. I'll probably just be drinking water. But uh, well, I went to the mall today to drop off posters and a DCP. That's a, a file, you know, a, a hard drive with a film on it. And I walked over to the food court. I'm going to post photos later. But where half of the food court installations had been, there is now wood floor to ceiling. Nana's, the Greek place is gone. The place with the burgers gone. The only thing in the food court is the pizzeria and the pretzel place. Wow. This is like shocking to me. Yeah, this is like a major event that the food court's basically shut down. Uh, but somebody told me that the Tim Hortons coffee shop, even though it's really tiny, does do the sandwiches and stuff. So that's another option. And the Duff's yeah, is still yeah. open. But, you know, it's hard to... It's hard to get duffs between movies and eat it. It is. is. Uh, Except for one day. Except for one day in there, I do have slightly longer intermissions, which is the one thing that I set out to do this year that I was able to pull off. I I didn't have the shorter schedule or the shorter days, but I did get longer intermissions in there. (laughs) Monday will be a tough day. Pack your Uh, lunch and sneak it in the theater. That's a good idea. I can bring (laughs) enough. Bring in some salads or something. Waffle, but <laughs> I'm always good before the festival. I, I I stay away from the beef on whack for a few months because I know mm-hmm. I'm gonna have it almost every day once once we get it rolling. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably I'll it'll probably be a cheat week instead of a cheat day or here, but I'll be good when I come back home. So it it'll all work out. Well, if you walk home, you'll burn it all off. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I told Jason I'm gonna be one of the guys those guys now that. Go and uh, when we when I get up, I'll go and hit the uh, the treadmill in the hotel. Oh, there you go. All the people you used to make. Love yeah, so, right, yeah. right. I'll, so I'll be one of those annoying guys. Yeah. Well, I was actually I was actually thinking <laughs> of uh, becoming a mall walker for the next month. <laughs> that would work too. Yeah, <laughs> yep. mall walker. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can hit you can hit the mall for an hour before the show starts. <laughs> that's good. That's a good idea. Yeah. But that that's sad though about the the food court. Uh, that that's, that's yeah, it's here too. Is like uh you know when places like when I was when Troy and I were younger, we're brothers by the way. Troy's nine years older than, but um like a Kingston Mall, uh, you know people listening if they aren't from the area they might not know. But it was like 
people hung out there all the time, and now you go there and it's just like desolate. Yeah. And like ha- half the food court's gone. The Cape Cod Mall, which is still fairly busy because for some reason people come from all over New England to go there, even though it's just the same stores you can go to any mall. But <laughs> I know that one. I don't it's a good ad campaign. Well, there was a positive development in the mall. I don't know if you remember last year, there was like this comic book store mm-hmm. that was a huge space and hardly anything in there. And you would walk in and there wouldn't even be a guy working there. Uh-huh. Well, that place was bought out by somebody else now, and it is jam-packed full of stuff. It's just as crazy as that Niagara Falls Emporium, the Bazaar, and oh, they've yeah. got tons of DVDs. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Be so, I mean, it's a good, it's a, and DVDs and comic book collectibles and all that crap. So, I mean, it's a good place to kill a lot of time in. Yeah. Yeah, I remember there was a, there was, maybe that was the place you're going with the important. I remember there was, yeah, we walked around there and there was all kinds of wild stuff. Yeah, there's also that, a place that sold a lot of used stuff. Like old that's stuff. the big emporium. This was strictly a comic book type place. Yeah. And it was really strange because, I mean, there weren't, wasn't that much merchandise and no one was working there. But now the place is just as full as the other place. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what it's become. It's become the mall of, uh, like sports centers and, Flea market type places. <laughs> yeah, I guess they have people go there. But I know that uh, the mall we were talking about, it's all um, not really <laughs> stuff that sells anything. It's like like a bouncy house yeah. and like an yeah, escape room. It's a lot room. of kids stuff. Yeah. yeah it's, very, it's very weird. And we were in a place, too, that had no one working there. It was the uh, the arcade we went into. Oh, yeah. Every time we go in there. kind of creepy. Yeah, so I, I don't know how you because there's a lot of stuff you win the the tokens and I don't know what you do with them because there's no one there's no employees so I don't know we'll just carry them around. <laughs> it's very weird. It's uh, become a really weird culture and and you know it's all over when Stranger Stranger Things makes the mall like the the, the nostalgia <laughs> aspect of a nostal- show that's already about nostalgia. Oh, it's so <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. This is like uh, I, was, I wonder if Dawn of the Dead at some point won't really make much sense to people. Like, why are all these zombies <laughs> yeah, going right. to the mall? Like, yeah, who the hell goes to the mall? Why would zombies go there? What the hell is on the computer? Those yeah. malls, an indoor shopping place. It's so prophetic. <laughs> what would they do now? Apocalyptic reference. Uh, yeah, where would everyone go? They just sit in their rooms on the they, computer. They text each other. That's what they would do. The zombies. Yeah, you can't go hide out on Amazon when there's no electricity. <laughs> That's very true. It's going to be a sad day for the zombies. Mm. All right. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you again, Greg. And it's always fun to have you on the show. Yeah, always great talking with you. Thank you for having me on to ramble. Glad uh, glad we defeated those technical bugs. Yeah, it's no problem. And, and when this is on podcast, no one will know the difference. Correct. And so August 23rd through the 29th at Eastern Hills Cinema at the Dipson Theater, Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. It's going to be good. Seven days of wonder. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, I had a great time and I'm looking forward to it. If I didn't have a great time, I wouldn't come back. So I well, obviously sense. I had a good time. Right. <laughs> right. Yes, it does make sense. Well, I thought you had a good time, but I was still surprised that you were going to come back. It says something, uh, somebody taking a week out of their lives to travel to a film festival. <laughs> How many do you do a year? 
Um, usually two or three. I think last year I did. Um, last year was like a local one. Like I did, uh, like a day one in uh, Happenstance Film Festival. That was fun too. But usually two or three. Uh, and I have to say, my two favorites that I've done is are uh, Boston Underground Film Festival and Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. Uh, similar vibe to me. It has a community feel. Uh, in the Boston one, it's a lot of Boston uh, regulars, and uh, and also both of them are, are one screen fel- uh, festivals. Oh, nice! I, I like that. Um, even though Fright uh, is a Fright uh, Fright Fest, Fright Fest, Fright Fest, the one in London, it's huge. But there's also like multiple screens, even multiple theaters. Yeah. And even if you wanted to see everything, you can't. Yeah. Usually yeah. when they do that, they, they show every film at least twice and, and try and give you a second shot, but you can still, you can still lose out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's no other way to do it, I guess. But, uh, I, for me personally, I like, uh, a more, uh, when everyone's there together, there's uh, something about that. Very good. Right. So we'll see you soon, Greg. Thank you. Good talking to you, Neil. Good talking to you, Troy. Yep, always a pleasure. Take care. Yeah, we'll get Troy out one of these years. Yeah, yeah. One year I'll make the trip to Buffalo. It, it will. It's a destination place now. The city's had a big turnaround. I know. Canal side downtown, which you know I won't go to because it's always packed. But. <laughs> <laughs> If the locals stay away from there, then exactly. We'll go. Yep. Although a lot of locals do go there. Okay, they don't mind looking for parking. I do. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, guys. You All as right. well. Good See night. You very soon. Bye. Yeah. Bye. These are no good against the dead. Only the living.
Hi, this is Mark Scheffler, Jr. from Last House on the Left, and you're listening to Without Your Head. All right, and we're back here once again at the Station of Decapitation Without Your Head, and I'm still Nasty Neil. And I remain Terrible Troy. And we're going to talk about some trailers here, but we actually got someone on the line. Who is this? Neil, this is Adam. Adam Parks is on the line. Adam Horseshoe Parks, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. So what's on your mind? Well, I have to agree with you on one thing. Uh, During that interview, you guys were talking about the arcade. Well, I I can agree with you. It is a scary in there. (laughs) What are your feelings, Adam, on the horror movies? What do you What do you like? Do you like to get scared at all? Of course, I do. Good man. Good man. So, what are you looking forward to? What uh, horror movies coming out? Uh, has Adam excited? Uh, whatever ones come out, I'm looking forward so, to. So you just go and see anyone that comes out. Yes. Yeah. So, what are some of your favorites? Uh, do you like the zombie movies, or do you like the vampire movies? I like vampire movies. Uh, all right, good man. I like vampire movies too. So, what? Uh, do you have any particular vampire movies that uh, that are your favorite ones? No, all of them are good. So you like Dracula. You like uh, the Lost Boys. You like them all. Interview with a Vampire. Thirty Days. I was thinking about doing a vampire month sometime on the show and getting a bunch of uh, vampire guests. Well, that'd be fun. I think that yeah. would be a good time. It would be a good time. Are you gonna? Do you have you ever dressed up as a vampire for Halloween? No. You ever think about that? Would be a good costume, wouldn't it? That would be a. Co- yes. You could wear a big cape and stuff. You'd be Count Dracula. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Good times. I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still? Do you ever? Uh, when's the last time you went trick or treating, Adam? A long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what you dressed as? No, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna. Back. I bet it was one of the the Duke boys. <laughs> no. No. All right. Wasn't Daisy Duke? Was it? <laughs> Baby. All right, all right. If you had the Daisy Duke shorts on. Yes. All right, that's okay then. I think that would look pretty good on you, Adam. So, uh, <laughs> you have a weather update for us? Oh. Uh, it's going to be 100 degrees this weekend in Boston. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, man. I'm going to Boston tomorrow. I don't want to hear that. Maybe it uh, yeah. be quite as hot tomorrow, Neil. Maybe, maybe that's just a weekend. Right. At least it I hope it's not going to be raining, is it? No. That's uh, good. I don't want right. to be. You'll uh, be dry. Sweaty. Yep. You'll be dry and hot in Boston tomorrow. I'll be all sweaty. <laughs> well, Adam, it was great to hear from you. Yes, good to talk to you too as well. All thank right. you very much. And thank and you for listening. Where's the fire? Huh? Where's, where's the, the fire? fire? Yeah, uh, where is? 
It's down the street. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll put it out. (laughs) All right. Good night, Adam. Good night, Adam. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, bye. Always good to hear. Yeah, yep. it's been a, been years since Adam's called in. At least. That's true. He was he was he and um, we we had the dueling weathermen for a while. That's right, Bob Elmore. Bob Elmore, right? The weatherman. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The leatherman and the and the weatherman. So it's yeah. good. So a couple big um, uh, trailers we want to talk about. Oh yes. And uh, that is it, chapter two, the mm-hmm. end. Looks fantastic. Yep, that one. Like, um, it, it. I mean, it's not one that we didn't think we were going to go see anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, th- this one's pretty jam packed. This uh, this trailer too. So it was good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you get the you know. Now we get to see the grown ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just see uh, it. Uh, Pennywise comes back. He's like, but you know, it's been twenty something years, and uh, it just looks great. Uh, I know. See, I I like both parts of the miniseries, but I do think the the first part is better with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I think even the book is the same way. I do think the the first part with the kids is better. Not yeah. that I disliked it the second part, but, but uh, the second part, they I think they've really cast it well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I yep. love the I love the last part, the, the chapter one. Yeah, me too. And like now, we're, I'm gonna have to revisit it though before we go see the the second part. Yeah, I would keep too. it good and fresh, you know, in your mind. Did they ever put out the um, the extended cut that they mentioned? I don't think they have. I wonder if they're gonna do it just before this one comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this one's. Is it September that this one comes out? Me, I'm not positive, but yeah. uh, oddly enough, you, you would think you put it out in October. Yeah, that's what you'd think, but maybe October's, it, October does seem pretty jam-packed this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe they've got to like spread it out a little bit more. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I love both versions of it. Yep, it, yep. Uh, so far, yeah, uh, in the old one, I love both both halves, and mm-hmm. in this one, the first half, I love too. And so, so looking forward to this. And Bill Hader, one of those guys, you know, I love and everything. And yeah, it's a weird because um, I always liked him anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, between the time where they announced that he was uh, in this and until uh, this comes out, I mean, then uh, Barry uh, popped up. And oh he's yeah, become, like a much bigger actor. Yeah, which is great. You know, proved that he can uh, not only use a good uh, <laughs> a comedy, but he's a very good uh, dramatic actor. So he's perfect, mm-hmm. perfect casting. Yep, yep. As I'm hoping they hit him with a beep beep Richie though. That's the only thing. Yeah, they, they did didn't not get see- a beep beep Richie in the first one. Yeah, I did not see the bully in this one. Oh yeah, you're right. Right. I mean, it's just a trailer. I don't think you should give everything away. Right. It was. I do had. I had some mind. Like I loved the first. The, the uh, chapter one. There. There. I, my. I do have a couple things, and that was. Uh, I didn't like uh, the. I liked the bully in it, but uh, yeah. I didn't like how he was just like kind of disappeared. Yeah. 
it's true. And he wasn't really helpful in, um, he didn't, like, he didn't, t- in the first one, he kind of, doesn't he help Pennywise get away? And then he also takes the rap. Yeah, because he gets the blame at the end. Because remember, because his hair turns white because he right. uh, looks into the deadlights. Right. So he didn't have that. So yeah, you know, if I never, if I didn't read the book or saw the first one, you, know, I probably wouldn't even notice that. But it was, it was that, and and they, and uh, where they didn't use their imagination, mm. their weapons. That that was probably my biggest complaint. Yep, me too. But the the one thing that I, I am looking forward to. Um, just as much as anything about this is on the clips that we've seen so far, there have been a lot of clips of them as kids as well. Yeah, so I wonder true. if they're going to have some flashbacks and fill in some of those blanks. Mm-hmm. They could do that. Yeah. yeah. I know there was a talk since that last one did so well about uh, making this thir- three chapters, but since this one, they do reference the end. I don't think uh, mm. that's happened. Yeah. I would have, I would have been good with that too, but yeah. See, we got a uh, call in the line, 361 area code. Who are you? Hey, Neil. It's it's uh, Mariela Perez from Stuff. Oh, very cool. So what's going hey, on? Uh, nothing much. We just saw Midsummer for like the second time. And- oh, uh, yeah, I love oh, it. Nice. How would y'all think of it? I loved it. Uh, I want to see it a second time. I was going to see it a second time last week, but I couldn't fit it in uh, schedule-wise. But uh, yeah. it's one of my favorite horror movies uh, of the year. It's a beautiful movie, and it's also it's just really uh, engrossing. You watch it, and you're just sucked in, and you don't even think of the two and a half hour uh, uh, time it flies right by because you're just sucked into this movie to see, you know, all the. And it's weird because I do think um, going in, you kind of know that this is going to go bad. <laughs> so you, so it's. Uh, but you still want to watch it and see exactly how it plays out. Yeah, yeah. Like we're watching it the second time around. Um, there's just a lot of things that that you missed the first time, and then you just appreciate the movie even more. And it doesn't feel like as long as it as it was the first time when you saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been wanting to see um, it a second time for that reason too, to see like you know if there's. Uh, things you miss when you're watching the first time, and if there's any like foreshadowing to different things that happen, and that kind of movie is always uh, good to watch, you know, multiple times. Yeah. So, uh, what were y'all talking about tonight? We I just uh, saw your post to call in. Yeah. Well, we had a uh, we had um, Gregory Lamberson on um, from uh, Buffalo Underground, uh, Buffalo, uh, not Buffalo Underground, Buffalo uh, Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. And then uh, we're just talking about the It 2 trailer. But, uh, yeah, um, we'll be going, um, Jason and I will be going to stuff next year, which is South Texas Underground Film Festival. And uh, that's coming up in 2020. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we're really looking forward to you guys coming in. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, what do you think but, of the movie brought Rob here also? Oh, hey, we're cool. How you doing, man? Oh, so, doing good, doing good. Just uh, still absorbing the the film again after you know a rewatch, and uh, it's unfortunate because in our area, of, of course, Lion King, and uh, you know that's going to go ahead and take over the the, yeah. the screen, and that it, it it's basically that's the end of uh, Midsummer for now. Uh, you know, I am intrigued to find out what thirty minutes extra, um, you know, uh, Ari Aster has 
in store for us if, if we are allowed to see this extended uh, director's cut or whatever we want to call that version of that film. I think that's going to be uh, very cool to see. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because, uh, you know, they, they had to cut it down so it wasn't NC-17. And then he uh, mm-hmm. talked about that and he you know, said that uh, they're going to put out extended cut. I don't know if it'll get a theatrical release or not. It'll probably be, you know, Blu-ray or DVD. But I'm definitely looking forward to because uh, sometimes if there's a director's cut, it's like an extra two or three minutes. And, you know, you know, what does that really accomplish? But a half hour, that's a lot of yeah, they're jamming in a half an hour. That should be pretty amazing. Yeah. I assume yeah, it's probably definitely. some hard. It's probably some hardcore stuff if it was stuff they had to cut out, so it wouldn't be in C seventeen. Yeah, I mean, usually what ends up happening on on films like uh, Tarantino and Scorsese in the past, you know, they they basically they set up scenes that they know that are just totally out of control that they know they would get an NC seventeen, and they stick those in there. So when they they eventually cut those out, it kind of gets them that R, so to speak, but. Um, but even then, other movies, they'll shave down a couple of, you know, seconds here or there or, or not leave something uh, too gruesome on the screen um, for an extended period of time. Like The Crow, you know, that movie was cut down so much, even though it was, you know, revisioned after Brandon Lee had passed. There were all these little pieces they had to cut from it just to get it down to an R as well. Um, the knife in, in in Gideon's pawn shop, they, they said that that was a more gruesome scene of that. and. You know, it's it's uh it's funny what films do just to get that R rating. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, a lot of times they have to cut, you know, down their vision for a movie so it it can get out there. But a good thing about you know modern movies is uh, they usually keep all that stuff. You know, like uh, you know, older movies they didn't think ahead. I think you know, well, I'll keep this in case everyone to put out like a, a different cut of the movie, but. Uh, now, you know, they keep all this material so you can get, you know, director's cuts and extended cuts. That's the beauty, I guess, of, uh, you know, nonlinear editing on computers. you got all those different timelines. You just go ahead and save a different version of it whenever you want to pop it up. Hey, let's right. take a look at that work print that we used to have and, and you know, whatnot. Yeah. And since it is such a beautiful movie, though, it's, you know, very visual, I wouldn't like to see the extended cut uh, at the theater if possible. Like, it'll still be cool to watch at home, but uh, that's definitely a movie to watch on the big screen and be, like, absorbed in. Oh, yeah, most definitely, especially with that, that amazing soundtrack. I mean, uh, it, it's just you know, it's just an overall experience. Just, uh, um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be, like, like in, in our case, you know, luck, luckily we have an Alamo Draft House. You know, they, we can always put on a screening if we want. I mean, if, if cuts aren't available theatrically, they end up getting DVDs anyway and, or they'll get sent a DVD or, or they'll get special permission that we can play a DVD. And so, I mean, it, it's just a matter of renting a, a, the facility and, and doing that. But I imagine it would, man, that would cut it really close because they do three hour blocks. I mean, you're, you're going to cut it pretty close, you know, uh, showing that film. And staying within that three-hour block of a, you know, a special screening or something like of that nature. Yeah, yeah, because that like, like I know, like probably all of us don't mind watching a three-hour movie, but uh, when you do take into account, you know, the the time that uh, the theater can show a three-hour movie, it does cut into you know how many movies they can show. So you know, you have to. I understand that, you know. 
Yeah, uh, I guess also, I guess a really cool part of, of this time of year is, you know, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And we start getting those early glimpses or we're getting those reveals of some of the films that, that are going to be coming out. Um, it's always exciting to, to, you know, see what some of these films are. Or, I mean, you know, they're more of a little bit on the mainstream side, but it's still kind of interesting to see, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what nuggets they want to drop. Yeah. Now, I'm, a, I'm a guy, I like all kinds of, I mean, I love independent movies and weird, you know, B-horror movies. But I also do like a lot of uh, big budget, you know, superhero movies and stuff. I, I just like movies in general, you know. Oh yeah, most definitely. I I, I don't know what I don't know if you guys brought it up or your thoughts, but Edward Furlong, I guess, was uh, announced that he was going to be in this new Terminator. Uh, oh, really? I mean, I know. Yeah, I know we have Linda Linda Hamilton, but the announcement came in that uh, young. I guess well, <laughs> back when we saw him. He was young John Connor, but I guess now he's older and he's going to be John Connor uh, again. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see how that yeah. plays out. It's weird because I saw a lot of people, uh, you know, against the, the trailer for the new Terminator. I actually thought it looked good. And some of the people I thought was a very was very odd. Uh, they were they didn't like it because they said it was, you know, they're putting all these women in the movie and stuff. And it's like, well, the original Terminator, the it's the same lead. It's even the oh, same exactly. character. Yeah, there is no difference there. Yeah, it really made no sense to me. But I was interested in the trailer. I thought it looked cool. And, uh, I mean, I, I even like a lot of the Terminators. The, uh, the, the, the trailer? Not the trailer. No, I yeah, the trailer it. in 3D just looked amazing. Yeah. I mean, I even like yeah. most of the Terminators that people don't like. So I'm looking forward to it. No, it, 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 I mean, you know, now that you have the, you know, the creator back into it a little bit, it's, it's, it's almost like with, you know, Halloween with John Carpenter, you know, some people didn't like the new one or whatever, but I, I like when, when the creator gets back into it in some shape or form, either in the producer role or, or whatever. And that way it gives them their kind of blessing a little bit where they're trying to reclaim a little bit of, or, or redirect it kind of back into, uh, back into maybe original vision or, revision back to its original roots or so uh, so to speak so i, I yeah, i'm kind of looking at bad thing it. right oh yeah i mean i i, I uh, it's been, it's been a while since we've seen uh, james cameron you know do something like this uh so yeah. i'm i'm really anxious to see this one for sure yeah so um for for stuff uh south texas underground film festival um are you guys already like uh, cuz i know people submit you know uh, you know, movies to your festival. How long does that take to uh, to go through everything, and when do you guys start? It oh, it's it's it, everything has been started pretty much. It, it's done in phases. Uh, as the as the when when the first opening of submissions uh, starts taking place, you know, we we basically get a, a number of those submissions in, and then start you know making notes, and and that's the thing. Uh, sometimes. You know, every festival has their own little their own little list of how they uh, break down films and stuff like that. Um, we we start going through those and making you know the notes of um, you know what is it about those films that you know that strike us uh, because that, I mean for us when it when we started you know the South Texas Underground Film Festival it was um, it was a way of getting together with other filmmakers. And sharing stories and 
and sharing, you know, learning from each other and stuff. And it's kind of like became an extension of sorts where we're incorporating, you know, all everybody around the world with, with some of those uh, tastes of, uh, you know, of the kind of films that we like. But it, it usually starts from the very beginning where we start making those little notations. Uh, the regular uh, regular submissions are, are going to end um, sometime in early August. And uh, then we start, uh, everything starts, uh, I guess you, you start going, like if you're going up the hill, it's going to start going really fast downhill where our late submission and then our, we call it our Andalus Chicos, uh, where we just tell them, come on, let's go, hurry up. This is the last chance that you get an opportunity to go in there. Mm-hmm. And then the hard work starts for us where we go back and review all these notes. And then we start making those, those hard, those hard choices of um many a times it, it it comes down to where we get you know hand handful of films that we want to put as much as we can but we have to make some of those hard choices sometimes and it, it really kills us um we're, we're always trying to figure out ways that we can that we can uh include as much as we can but uh that i mean just like anything you got to make those choices in, in some shape or form and and sometimes it it, it for us it hurts because you know, we we fall in love with these films from the from the early going, and it's like, oh, which one do we go with, and you know, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, but it's uh, it's always fun. It's uh, stressful, fun, exciting, and we can't wait for people to see, you know, what we have in store for everybody at the festival for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, is there any uh, upcoming uh, horror movies you guys are looking forward to? Um, actually, I'm looking forward to, uh, Brett Pierce, uh, his new, um, movie called The Wretched. Um, he's actually playing Fantasia. Or did Fantasia already happen? I think Fantasia happened. There's another Fantastic Festival. There's like a whole bunch of Fantastic Fests that happened. And, um, he played the one in Canada. And there's another one coming up overseas. I can't remember which one that is but it's a another fantastic fest but i am looking forward to seeing that um so it's going to be in the festival circuit hopefully it'll get like a limited theatrical release and we'll be able to see it yeah Yeah. for me for me i mean um i i mean i don't i don't know anybody else's opinions of it or not but uh i'm I'm kind of intrigued by this uh the stephen king the the what is it dr sleep yeah, oh, I'm totally geeked yeah. for that. Oh yeah, did I'm, you ever I'm, read the book? Because I love the book. No, I, 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 that's what I'm looking. I'm looking yeah. forward to doing. I want to definitely read that before going in. Yeah. You know, sometimes you know they take liberties and stuff like that. But I, I definitely want to read the book before going into this one. I, I love, I love the the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the I thought the audiences that that I I've seen the trailer twice in the theater. And the audiences, uh, you hear all the murmurs and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yep. And they, you know they they're definitely into this one. And uh, well, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it, uh, maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think they the the creators of the film said that they they did not use any footage from The Shining. That this was all like new footage. Even though we see you know Danny going down the hallway, that was actually reshot. Oh, modern. No oh, really? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, that's, right. 
That's what I thought I, I, I read somewhere that the creators were trying to, because everybody was saying, oh, they're using Kubrick's uh, pieces and stuff. But if, 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 if somebody can look that up later on, I, if I'm not mistaken, they were uh, proud that they were able to get that look oh. and uh, on some of those yeah, scenes. It's pretty wild if they did do that because you'd swear it was. Yes. Yes, very much so. Um, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, that, that's one for sure. Uh, I know that there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of promotion. I mean, everywhere you look, it too is, is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, we were just talking about know. the second trailer for that because we, we just watched it. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, it has that, that same feeling, uh, even more so. Um, I, I, I had, I had seen the, uh, the, the television, um, uh, mini series, I guess, uh, before I saw, before I saw the first it in the, in the theaters and, um, I, you know, it, it was almost, you know, there were, there were obviously some, some, some stuff that was a lot different, but, um, they say pretty true in a, in a lot of respects. I mean, uh, yeah. There were some themes that I guess they, they, you know, you kind of inferred, but you know, they didn't, you know, they weren't really blatant about it. But mm. uh, it looks, it looks really good. The sequel, I'm pretty sure it's gonna make monster success when it, when it, yeah. when it hits. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, it. and it's a great time to be a horror movie fan because you get all these uh, horror movies theatrical release, which also helps, I think, the independent horror movies because you have these big ones that are doing well. And then everyone wants you to horror movies out, so uh, it gets it gets a chance of some of these um, more independent films to, to get out there as well. Yeah, and it's great because you see it with you know not only like the big budget ones and the indie ones, yeah. but so much the on TV, TV now. Yeah. yeah, you see, and it's great. I love that jazz. By the way, Mariella, it's uh, the Wretched premieres tomorrow night, Friday, July nineteenth at Fantasia International Film Festival. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I so think the festival have- is going on, but their debut is uh, premieres tomorrow night. Okay. Well, that's it's his movie that I'm really looking forward to seeing. It's either going to be I'm going to either watch it in the festival circuit or whenever it comes out it, in the it, theater. It might be a year from now, but does come out. No. Right. Well. That's very true. Yeah. But yeah. It looks pretty. Uh, I guess uh, even Sam Raimi has uh, has gotten behind this movie. So that's oh cool. yeah. Nice. Yep. And I love the poster. It's very creepy. It's kind of got that uh, folk uh, horror vibe to it with the uh, with the animal head. Nice. Yeah, I like folk horror, and uh, no, I, I guess that's why I really like Midsummer mm-hmm. um, and stuff. And it's it's very cerebral, makes you think. And yeah. those, those are the type of, of horror films that I like. So. Yeah, it's cool that that's made. That's. Yeah, it's cool. It's made a comeback because we haven't really seen too many of those movies until the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. I like the, you know, it's nice that there's some different stuff out there instead of all oh, uh, haunted house movies. There for a while, everything was like uh, The Conjuring. Oh, yeah. Good- so, um, what movies are y'all looking forward to seeing? I guess everything. <laughs> well, yeah, the ones you just mentioned. Uh, yeah, hmm, I'm trying to think. What do? Well, we just watched the other trailer, Neil, for um, Three from Hell. Oh yeah, yeah, I want to see Three from Hell. 
Uh, did you watch it, guys? You guys watch a trailer from that? I don't know if you are into uh, House of Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We make it a point to whatever horror film comes out, we make it a point to to see it. I don't yeah. care what the critics say. I just want to see it for myself. Yeah, yep, <laughs> exactly. Make your own opinion. Yep. I agree. <laughs> and uh, uh, I really like Devil's Rejects. Um, and so uh, to see a, a third one from that was interesting to me. And I like the new trailer. I like the take on it where they have like fans of of theirs, which is uh, a uh, I like that idea because especially nowadays because there are there's always been, but it does seem like um, serial killers have uh, are kind of hot right now. Like people yeah. are, are into them. So the idea of these three notorious serial killers having a following. You know, trying to get, get him out of jail and stuff. Uh, I think that's interesting. I'm looking forward to it. And if I see that shirt, Neil, that says "Free the Three with the three Firefly people on there, yes, I'm that. yeah, I would wear that. I kind of love that shirt. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Mosley stole the trailer, though. He was awesome in the. He was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, all three have been on the show before, Sid, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, Sid, Bill Mosley, and. Uh, and I think I I'm not positive, but I think um, Sherry Moon Zombie was her only podcast interview. Was without your head? Wow, wow! I think so. It's pretty. Cool. Oh, it makes me and, feel pretty neat. Then. Right. So so either she was like, I can't do any better, or uh, man, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Don't ever do that. He's <laughs> very. <laughs> But yeah, and uh, Greg, uh, who we had on from uh, from Buffalo uh, Dreams Fantastic Film Festival, they have a lot of uh, cool sound and you know uh, independent horror movies that are just you know uh, coming on the uh, the festival scene. That's what's always uh, really fun about going to the festivals is uh, you get to see these movies uh, just as you said, like a year before. Um, you know, most other people ever get a chance to see them because just now a lot of stuff I saw last year at the festivals. They're starting to pop up on like Shutter and stuff. Oh yeah, and it's, you know it's really cool that I got a chance to see him before, and also get to some, see him on the big screen. Yeah, yeah and, I'm and a little envious on that one because I, I would love to see some of the ones that I've seen on Shutter on the big screen. See, and that and the, right there, that that's the that's the that's the beauty of these uh, film festivals mm-hmm. is that you go and you don't know what you're going to run across sometimes, or you're intrigued by maybe what 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 literature you're getting, you know, from those festivals, and then you catch those little gems that are out there, and you're just so anxious to start letting people know, you know, what uh, what you saw, and to definitely you want to catch it on on the circuit. Um, and that's the thing about the circuit. Sometimes some films just stay regionally uh, or they stay, uh, you know, uh, in, in their little uh, areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing that uh, for us, uh, you know, as stuff, uh, South Texas Underground Film Festival, we like to try to find some films that are international that are looking for, you know, that breakthrough into the United States. And we, we've been able to do that uh, in, a, in a couple of the past film festivals where we find these little gems that just like when it seems to be, you know, going, uh, waning down on their festival run, it ramps up again. And there they go off to the, off to the races. They got a, another uh, second win, so to speak. And then they start playing different, uh, different areas in the United States or, 
or North America at least. Um, but you know, we, we that I guess that you know I guess that's a little reveal of of what we sometimes look for. If a film stayed in maybe in the East Coast or something like that, you know, we try to give them a Texas premiere and mm-hmm. and uh, introduce you know uh, you know Texas to some of these films that might have played up in Boston or Chicago uh, in, in some of those underground uh, festivals. And you know, give give you know, everybody has a different taste and stuff like that. So we're always looking for little little gems that we can bring down here and 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 show off, you know, to the Texas uh, area and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's cool now. Great too. Yeah, and it's cool now through the festivals and and Shutter shows a lot of stuff like that too. Is that you could um. Uh, you get to see a lot of stuff, uh, like I said, internationally that, you know, before, like, it would be really hard to see, you know, movies from, from other countries, unless it was really big and, and got a release. But a lot of, like, the independent, like, horror movies, it would be very hard to have ever got a chance to even see them. But, uh, you know, this gives them a platform that, you know, if you go do the festival scene, you can see some of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And you're not getting the stuff like bootleg and things because I, I know like even when, uh, you know, that eventually got a buzz behind it. But remember when the host came out mm-hmm. and I think that's how we originally saw that was a friend like gave us like a bootleg copy of it because it was the only way to get it. Right, right. You yeah, know, and it's you like know, you don't, don't want to do that, that, but I, yeah. I was dying to see the movie, too. Right. Yeah, that's actually yeah. the first time I saw uh, House of a Thousand Corpses was uh, at the time it, it didn't look like it was going to get released at all. And I actually mm-hmm. I, on eBay back in like the Wild West days, eBay bought a, a bootleg copy of it. Then eventually it got released, you know, and I went and saw it and bought, and bought a real DVD. But mm-hmm. uh, that's the only way I would say it's cool to get like a bootleg is if it is. That's the only only way you're going to be able to see it. And then if you like it, then when it does come out, then actually buy the actual copy and help right, support. Right, help the people out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember, I remember that it was a, it was in the I guess you like you had said the Wild West days when you know the uh, the Asian horror and Korean horror films are just are just those that market itself. Mm-hmm. You'd go on you'd go on eBay and you'd find these region all region discs that were yeah, only yep. available. Yeah, down there, and then that would be the only way to see maybe like the ring, ring you. You know, you yeah. could only see those versions like that, and the the original films that were inspired by that. And um, it, you know, now with the uh, the uh, apps and the you know OTT apps that we have on televisions and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, it opens the door a lot more. So, so these films are, you know, it's still getting there. I mean, there's still some of these films that are just still region locked, but um, definitely a little by little, little though. You, yeah, you're seeing it happen, and it's great because between that and then like the the film festivals and stuff, you know, it opens you up to a lot of things that normally you'd never be able to see, or you know, never knew things existed like that. Yep, yep, and and that and that's another thing about the festivals. Depending on 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 which fests, you know, some some festivals have some of their days where they. They're, you know, they're streaming or, uh, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll actually have a movie theater that, that they can show some of the, some of the days that they'll screen and, you know, you'll catch, you know, you'll get that opportunity to catch it on the big screen. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's always, that's always a special, a special moment. And then 
And then, of course, if, if they're available, you sometimes get to meet the filmmaker itself. And that's the added bonus, being able to, you know. To, yeah, that's to just amazing. Yep. Yep. More insight behind the film. So where can people follow uh, stuff uh, if they uh, if they don't know currently? Uh, well, uh, if you use uh, pretty much S-T-U-F-T-X stuff, text, like Texas, uh, you can pretty much put that in, I think, all of the uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, even YouTube. Uh, uh, and Vimeo. Uh, we have we have something kind of scattered a little across of everything. Um I want to say Facebook might. Oh, and even, what's that other one? Uh, I mean, if you want to see past programs and stuff like that, I think that's on that issue website or whatever it is. Yeah, that's going to be found on our website. Yeah, that's on our website. You, you just start clicking links, and then you'll see from past festivals and the programs that we've had. Uh, photos, if you want to see uh, guests that we've had. Uh, Facebook is, is filled with that. And our film freeway. Um, I think, yeah, I think the photos are available, but, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty much scattered all over the place and, yeah. uh, you get a good snapshot. There's some good, uh, insight interviews that we did this past, uh, festival that we were talking to lots of the visiting filmmakers oh, and, nice. uh, it, it's, it's a little, yeah, on Facebook, they're, they're, they're all in there and, um, you get to hear, I mean, we had filmmakers, Last year from Australia. There was uh, Donna McRae. Yeah. Um, she's a, a woman in horror film uh, filmmaker. Um, uh, this year she did uh, Lost Gully Road. Um, the previous movie that she did was uh, Johnny. Johnny Ghost. It's it's like an old like if you were in a punk rock, um, Johnny Ghost would be the film to see. And then this one, Lost Gully Road, is very atmospheric. Um, she, she's just an amazing woman. She was there, uh, with her husband, her husband and her, they work together. Um, fantastic couple. So, um, who else is there? Uh, Oh, John, uh, uh, Josh. Oh, Josh Stifter. Um, he, uh, he was with, he did, uh, the Robert Rodriguez $7,000, uh, movie challenge. What's the name of that? The channel that they do it on? Little Ray Network. El Ray. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he was there with his film, and it was a lot of fun. Um, who else was there? There, there was a lot of filmmakers. Um, I just can't think <laughs> right yeah. now. We're winding down, and uh, we had a long day. And uh, but I mean, you can you can definitely get a little sneak peek at uh, what it what it's like to come to the Subjects Underground Film Festival. There are pictures of parties. The, the different screens that we were screening at, uh, director, uh, filmmaker interviews. Uh, it's a little, little, little bit of everything. And, um, you know, we're always trying to add more to it. And, uh, you know, every, every, every year we like to say we, our family grows and, and every filmmaker that, that ends up screening with us or visits and all this kind of stuff. We just, our, our family just keeps growing year after year with each film that we, that we accept, it extends our family, you know, more and more. And, uh, we're so excited to, to be able to do that. They, they build relationships with each other and they go on to, uh, work on each other's projects. And it's just a, a, a great support system. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's oh. one of my favorite things about the festivals is, um, is the, the community atmosphere. And then, uh, people, you know, uh, uh, get together and they collaborate and work on each other's stuff. And so it's a really positive, uh, a positive thing about the, uh, the festivals. Yeah. That's fabulous. And I'm looking forward to being there next year. And oh, by the way, I have to mention too, I have some stuff that we're going to be giving away from stuff a little bit later in the year. When I, I'm going to be start doing some video um, shows soon, and when they start doing the video shows, I'm going to, I'm going to give away some stuff, and I have some shirts and uh, and some cool giveaways from uh, South Texas Underground Film Festival. Nice. Oh. Any chance the prize wheel will come back? It well, indeed, the right, prize wheel the prize will wheel. make its return. <laughs> Very cool. I'll, I'll dust it off. We'll get it. Uh, <laughs> I might have to grease up the wheel a little Shine bit. Shine it all it up. In. All right, it'll be fun times. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you guys calling in, and I'll look forward to uh, South Texas Underground Film Festival. I'll be there, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about it uh, when we get closer. Sounds good. You guys stay creepy, and uh, we'll see you guys real soon. <laughs> okay, you guys take Have care. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yep. Very cool. Rob and Mariella from uh, South Texas Underground Film Festival. I'm really looking forward to that, and it's always fun to call and talk horror, too. Yep, yep. Yeah, seem like very nice people. I don't think I've talked to them before. No, I don't think you were on uh, when I had them on the show. Oh, okay. um, See, it was back in April. Okay. I looked it up. I've been (laughs) during my drug times. That's right. It's good to see you, uh... See you getting clean. All right. Yep. Yep. Little by little, you know, exactly. one day at a time now. So you met, they announced Stranger Things uh, Chapter Four starts shooting in October. Awesome. Like well, they got to they gotta get them in, Neil, because the kids are starting to get a little goofy looking. Yeah, I noticed the uh, the what they I forget his name, but I only watched the first episode. I got to catch okay. up. Okay. The um. The kid that's uh, did, like dating seven. Oh yep. a, yeah, I don't want to be mean to any kids or nothing, but he's he's kind he's uh, not a good looking young man. No, no. Well, because you know they were all kind of quirky and cute when they were early teens, or right. you know when the show first started. But yeah, they gotta gotta crank these out, man, because I think uh, some of yep. those kids are really gonna get kind of sleazy looking as as the years progress. That's what happens on the sitcoms when you have kids. Yep. That's true. You get the Danny Partridge syndrome, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I hope they don't get to the point where they just start bringing in new kids, like the new young kids. Oh, yeah. Then just stop. Just go on to something else. Yeah. Yeah, I got to catch up. I'm a bad man. I've not uh, watched this season. I, I think you'll dig it, Neil. I do. Yeah, I know young Zeb, young, young Zeb Godan, Godan, he uh, he said it was his favorite season. It was mine, too, i got to say, I, I must admit. And even one of the characters that I didn't really care for the year before, mm-hmm. one of the new characters there, like the kind of sleazy, studly kid there, um, the one girl's, like, older brother. Yeah. Remember, yeah. he was kind of like the bully kind of guy. And mm-hmm. I didn't really care for him in the last season, but I, I dug him in this season. 
So uh, over on BloodyDisgusting.com, they have a, a, a list of 10 movies that um, never got a, a DVD or Blu-ray release, only a VHS release. So we have Alien Abduction Incident in Lake County. Hmm. I did not know this, but it says, prior to the release of the Blair Witch Project, this made-for-TV movie left viewers in confusion and concern thanks to its pseudo-documentary style. Oh, no kidding. So huh. this was kind of like uh, their inspiration, huh? Yeah, interesting. It's, uh, by the way, on bloodydisgusting.com. Uh, Blue Monkey. It's another movie I'm not familiar with. Hmm. Despite the Tyler, no actual blue monkeys in this movie. God damn it. I feel a, cheated. A man pricks his finger on an exotic plant, develops a serious infection, and, it's trans- and is transported to a hospital just in time for a larval parasite to spew forth from his mouth. Nice. Looks pretty sweet. Looks like a giant ant, man. So that's one I would like to see. Yeah, I definitely watch that one. Uh, the Kindred looks like some crazy uh, monster movie. Nice. Uh, I would like to see that. Well, there's uh, a lot of these movies I'm not even familiar with. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this one either, but it looks pretty awesome. Wow. Uh, Necronomicon Book of the Dead. That is one I've seen. Okay, yep. But it's uh, with Jeffrey Combs, but it's never yep. been uh, released. So that's uh, Spookies. <laughs> I've seen this image before. It's like a w- little weird witch woman. Hmm. I've seen it. Grim Prairie Tales. I remember that movie. I don't remember oh, yeah. being that great. I, no, the, the I don't remember liking it, but I do yeah. remember it. Uh, Dream Demon. I don't know this one. Must have been during that time, you know, after, like, uh, Freddy was big. Okay. Dream Demon. Yeah. This one surprised me that it's not a DVD because it's a movie I really like a lot. Mr. Frost with Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, they so still played a lot on HBO and stuff. Yeah, yeah. weird, isn't it? Uh, Nightlife. <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure what that one is. And uh, one that uh, I know you're uh, a huge fan of, The Keep. The Keep, oh, God. Somebody call F. Paul Wilson up. Tell him uh, uh, the, the Blu-ray's coming. I did notice there are a lot of people who love that now. They think it's this uh, classic film. Oh, no, really? Yeah. People got to get over, you know, like the obsession with the 80s, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like anything that ever happened is great. Yep. So, uh, Mindhunter Season 2 is coming. I'm a big fan of Mindhunter. And... Uh, Charles Manson and the Son of Sam will be in this. Nice. You know, when you first started to say that, I thought you were going to say Charles Nelson Riley was going to be on it. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. <laughs> that would be friggin' awesome. I would like to have seen Charles Nelson Riley play uh, Charles Manson. <laughs> that would have been different. Yeah, definitely would have been different. <laughs> By the way, I want to, uh, I want to say um, I've been putting up some uh, videos, and there's going to be more coming. So subscribe to us on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com slash without your head. There's going to be a lot of uh, videos coming up there, a lot of content. Very nice. And a big thanks to Gregory Lamberson, who was on earlier, and Mariella and Rob from South Texas Underground Film Festival. Coming up here uh, momentarily, we'll have Patricia Tallman, 
from Night of the Living Dead, the 1990 oh, remake. Um, I, I really uh, like that movie a ton. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I watched it again for the interview, and it's. Uh, I always liked it anyway, but I think it still holds up. Yep, yep. Tony Todd's great in it, and our fir- our former guest, the late great. Um, oh, you know the guy that plays the the neighbor under the Tom Tolls. Tom Tolls. Yep, yep. He's so good in that one. Yeah, he's a man. So, man, uh, I also want to mention next week, uh, there'll be the first ever live inside your head on Wednesday night. You're, however you listen to it right now for the live show, you'll be able to listen the same way on the tune in. And uh be Burt Ward from the nice. uh, Batman series. Holy guacamole, Batman. Mm-hmm. That's going to be pretty awesome. Holy super guest uh, to have on the show, Batman. It is. That's pretty wild. That's, yeah, that's that's just great. There's not too many people left from the old Batman series. There isn't. I did have someone else booked, but then um, <laughs> she decided she did not want to talk about Batman. And oh. nothing. It would still be a cool guest, but I'm not. There's not a lot to talk about besides Batman. Yeah. Hmm. Unfortunately, but maybe we'll still make it happen. Uh, I mean, it would still be interesting. But oh yeah. It's unfortunate. I can understand not wanting to talk about something you've done a long, a long time ago. So yeah. I get it. Not, you know, kind of weird. Still, you, know. you could, you know, just kind of. We don't, talk, don't talk have to talk it. about it for hours. Yeah, just right, go on right. and rap about it for a bit. Exactly. If you had any good, like, memories or any neat stories from it. Exactly. Exactly. Trying to find this poll. I had a poll over on the Without Your Head Facebook group about uh, what's been your favorite. Horror movies so far in uh, 2019. Here we go. I found it. So let's see here. Um, well, we have uh, The Headhunter, which I've not seen. Mm-mm. Unearthed Films presents Torment, which I've not seen either. But that one is interesting to me because it's uh, inspired by uh, John Wayne Gacy. Oh, wow. So it's about a clown murdering uh, young boys. Big fan uh, of clown murder. Yeah, Shed of the Dead, which I thought was a very fun uh, independent horror movie. Bill that Mosley. looked really good. Yeah, yeah, Mosley, Kane Hodder, and um, Michael Berryman. I trapped the devil, which I've heard hmm. good things about. It looks good. Is that one Blood of those Night. IFC like midnight ones? Could be. I think it might even be streaming somewhere. Yeah, it's I think like it a- is. The guy traps the devil in the devil in his uh, in his basement. Nice. Bloodfest. That was a fun one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dead don't die. And I spit on your grave. Deja vu. Nice. Oh. Um, then we go. The next tier was a uh, tone deaf, which was a great, one of my favorite movies from Boston Underground Film Festival. Oh yeah, I remember you saying really good things about yeah. it. Uh, Nightmare Cinema, which is uh, that that's streaming right now. You can watch. I would like to watch. I think it's on uh, Amazon. Oh, okay. Leprechaun Returns, which I know you said was a lot better than you said. I, I like that uh, movie a ton, Neil. Like, I, I didn't expect anything from it, and I actually uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home. I do not share the sentiment. <laughs> 
Uh, Hellboy, which I thought was way better than I, than I, I thought oh, yeah. people give it credit for. I like. And Boo, which is a great short by Rakafet Abergel. Oh, yeah. Yep, that one was, was mad cool. I liked it. I've done. Then the next group we have here, we have uh, Culture Shock, which is fantastic. It's on um, Hulu. Nice. The Velvet Buzzsaw, which a lot of people like, but I I uh, kind of hated it. <laughs> I think you're in the minority there, Neil, because I have heard a lot of people that loved it. Yeah, a lot of people loved it. Not me. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. It's streaming as well, right? Yeah, it's on uh, Netflix, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Happy Death Day to You. I've not <laughs> seen that one. I did oh, like that's it. the sequel, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Prodigy, which I've not seen. Hmm. The Curse of Leorona, I'm not a big fan of. What was and, that? Uh, it's a spinoff of uh, the Conjuring movies. I think it's a spinoff of... Oh, uh, okay. Of All right. <laughs> I remember the trailer looked good from that, but I haven't it seen did. the movie. Yeah, it was good. And uh, no. Pet Cemetery, which, wow. All right, so now what do we got? Three, six, seven, eight. So the top, uh, well, that was 10, I guess. Number nine, uh, The Ranger. Which was oh, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. Eight, Lords of Chaos is what I've not seen, but everyone's loving it. Mm. Seven, Escape Room, which was surprisingly a very good movie. Yep, I remember you saying that. Uh, number six is was Ma, which I really liked as well. Mm-hmm. Five, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's probably my nice. favorite Godzilla movie. Four, Brightburn. I really like this. Well, and at number three, Us. Probably my favorite. That Midsummer. Two, Child's Play, which I really like as well. Glad that's got a lot of votes. Yeah, that's good stuff. And the number one movie, according to Without Your Head Facebook group with 33%, 34 votes, is Midsummer. Nice. Very nice. That one I have to see because I've heard so many good things about it. Yeah. I think it'll be one you really like or you really won't like. <laughs> so it'll be one extreme to the other. Huh? Right. I, re- I really enjoyed it. And interestingly enough, I did not really care for his last movie. So it's weird. And what was it? Hereditary. Hereditary. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's right. Heredity. Hereditary. Hereditary. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, uh, anything else before we get to the next interview? I'm trying to think if anything else is going down. Nope. I um, I've caught up on Nosferatu. How how far along are you on it? I'm not any further than I was last week. I'll oh, try okay. to catch up for next week. Okay. Don't like. Well, we can wait until the series is over and then you know talk about it because I don't That's think true. there's many many episodes left. Maybe one or two. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's I think about it, boss. Um, I dug both the trailers we watched tonight, the uh, Three from Hell and uh, the It Chapter Two. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to those. And all those movies sound great that that our guests and our callers have talked about. Yeah, it's a good time to be a horror fan. There's a lot of these ones I'm looking forward to this year at uh, at Buffalo. Oh yeah, some of those sounded great. 
Maybe it was just the descriptions, but I think I think you're gonna have a good time. Yeah. All right. And shout out to Adam for for calling in. Yes, yeah, so very cool to hear from him. We have a round of applause. Yay! I want to give a shout out to uh, the young Jason Mitten. Oh yeah. Our, our Tedless critic. Go up to uh, watching movies on Without Your Head. Get uh, recent reviews for Crawl. Excellent film. Derailed from uh, a film from a guest coming up tonight. Dead. Dead Detectives, which is uh, coming to Shutter, and Party Hard, Die Young, also a film <laughs> coming to Shutter. I like I like the title. I do too. All right, so uh, coming up here, we're gonna have Patricia Tallman, Can't followed wait. by Tanya Kay. So listen up. Very nice. And the music of Headstone Horror. So woohoo! Get it. Let's get into this. Jam it out. Exactly. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! This is Tom Tolls. You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And you're doing it without your head. Think about it. Oh, wait, you can't. You don't have a head. <laughs> oh, man, I went too far again. This is Tom Tolls. You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And you're doing it without your head. Think about it. Oh, wait, you can't. You don't have a head. <laughs> oh, man, I went too far again. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Patricia Tallman of Night Riders, Babylon 5, and all kinds of cool stuff, and Barbara of Night of the Living Dead 1990. It's very cool to have you here. Oh, thanks so much. It's really sweet of you to invite me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I want to say, I saw on your IMDb page, it said that George Romero asked you to uh, be a Night Rider. So like, how, how did that come about? I actually did audition for it okay. uh, because I hadn't met him yet. This is when I first met him. It was the first project that I worked with uh, on George, with George. Um, yeah, and I was in – it's so funny because I had been in Pittsburgh for four years at Carnegie Mellon, and it wasn't until I moved to New York that I met George because he lives in Pittsburgh too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was there auditioning people for this project, and I heard about it through the grapevine through a bunch of my friends, also Pittsburgh actors. So um, I'm from Chicago originally. Okay. So I just auditioned for him, and I guess he liked me. Did you know anything of uh, – did you know who he was? Did you know of, like, George Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. I knew he was. My friends made me go see the original Night of the Living Dead right. when I was in college. Uh, I'm not, I, 
I typically don't go to horror movies. They they really freak me out, so I don't go. I like scary movies. I don't like gory movies. Okay, there's a difference. Yeah, there is. There really is. Yeah. So, uh, so what did you think of the script for Night Riders? Because it's a really uh, unique movie. <gasps> yes. Um, it that's actually a really good question because when I heard George was remaking Night of the Living Dead, I was. I was like, why? Because the first movie was so awesome and so effective. But uh, it was, I, I learned that it was a copyright issue. And, um, and then when George and Tom Savini started to collaborate on it, uh, Tom was going to update all these effects. And, and then George and Tom came to the conclusion that Tom should direct the film. Um, and then Tom approached me and said, you need to read the script. And I'm oh, you know, because I thought they were just going to remake it. Mm-hmm. But he changed Barbara and he made Barbara into a character I was really interested in doing. I, I'm not interested in portraying women as, as these creatures who have sex and then get murdered in horror movies. Right. You know, right. <laughs> or they're so stupid. They walk down the stairs in their underpants. Uh-huh. In the middle of a storm, and then all the lights are off. You know what are you doing? Yeah. So uh, I didn't want to be um, the original Barbara, which was appropriate for the time, and and, and Judith O'Day is amazing. But I thought I don't want it. I, I, that's just so not me. So when I read the script, I got very excited about it because it, you know, it had this whole different take for a woman in a horror movie, something we just hadn't seen before. Yeah, it's interesting because both Barbaras have like the the first parts. It's almost the same, but then their story arc changes as like right. when all this stuff happens in the original movie. She kind of she just loses it, right. but it, it, your character changes, but uh, you become stronger. Right, right. That was the intriguing part. I've always liked the stories, any kind of story that starts with somebody who is just being an average person, somebody that we can all relate to. And then because of the circumstances, they have to become extraordinary and handle what's happening, even mm-hmm. if it's completely bananas. <laughs> right. Now did, <laughs> now did you meet Tom uh, Savini on, uh, on Night Riders or did you know him before? I, I actually met Tom at Carnegie Mellon University, which is why I was in Pittsburgh. That's where I went to school. And um, Tom came in as a teacher. He was doing makeup, theater makeup, and um, he was also taking acting classes. I wasn't in any of his classes, but I met him uh, while he was teaching. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, so when you're working on Night Riders uh, together, did you get along then? Like, uh, did, he, did he stay in touch with you after Night Riders? Sure, yeah. I mean, we were all uh, kind of a group, you know, everyone stays in touch and talks after um college we still are friends everybody's i mean everybody because the class is still friends we get together yeah. and have barbecues and stuff so yes we we stayed in touch over the years yeah well, well, what did you think of night riders because uh, i'm a fan of it but it's a very peculiar movie Oh, I loved it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm a nerd and I love, uh, I love fantasy books, you know, Lord of the Rings. And uh, I just thought it was, it had a lot of that magical quality to it, mm-hmm. the script, because of Merlin, the character Merlin, and then yeah. what King Billy goes through and all of that. I thought it was really cool. Um, I, my challenge i felt at the time being a young actor i was this is the first time i was ever in front of a camera my obviously that's a challenge and then the other part was making julie dean interesting 
Because to me, the character could be really flat if you weren't careful. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I set that as my task as an actor. My, I have an acting teacher here in Los Angeles. His name was Charles Nelson Riley. And he used to say, um, the writer puts the black on the page and the actor fills in all the white. So you say your words, but you've got to have all that life behind it. Yeah, I actually read the, or maybe I saw an interview with you that uh, it was mm-hmm. uh, that your acting coach was Charles Nelson Riley, and I mm-hmm. was like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was mm-hmm. a fan of him, when, like uh, on Magic Game and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what 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 was he like? I guess he was amazing. I know that his on screen personality is this kind of wacky comedian. You know, he's very funny, and he is very funny. But he studied with Herbert Berghoff and Stella Adler and was an amazing teacher and director. And I, I know a lot of people are not aware of that. He also directed opera, but he directed mm-hmm. um, Julie Harris on Broadway when she won a Tony. And, you know, so he, he had these chops that a lot of people didn't know about, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I was very fortunate to, to have kind of fallen in with a group of people that ended up in his class. Yeah, yeah. So w- when your friends dragged you to the first uh, Night of Living Dead, what what did you think of it? I, I was horrified by it. I had nightmares. Uh-huh. I mean, it was terrifying, you know? <laughs> it yeah. was just terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I still hate zombies. I started hating zombies on that day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So well, what's it like then to uh, be in a movie with zombies? I know obviously <laughs> you know they're actors. But... No, you know, I had to... I had to deal with zombies all the time because it was a small set. So the everybody who is a zombie were all eating together, and they were disgusting yeah. to look at because um, uh, the, the guys, it was uh, Johnny Volich and Everett Burrell were doing the effects. They were protégés of Tom Savini, so they were doing all of the makeup. And the, the, the zombies looked so convincing. It, it it was just, I lost so much weight on that movie because I could hardly eat. And the smell of the makeup and the stuff was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> I hate those guys. Yeah. So what do you make of uh, zombies being so mainstream now? Because, like, uh, you know, at the time I grew up being a big zombie kid uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, not at, not, there wasn't too many other people who like zombie movies like uh, in the really? early 80s. Yeah, 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 but now it's like you could go to Walmart and they have oh, like kids shirts with zombies on them. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it because I, I, I guess you'll, you'll need somebody who's who has more of an anthropological uh, outlook on this because to me, zombies are disgusting and they're not sexy, and I don't understand why people <laughs> want to watch zombie movies. Maybe because they're really, really scary or something. I, I, I find ghosts and those kind of things much scarier. I find zombies just gross. Yeah. Actually, does, did that help? Do you think that helped your performance in the movie? Because you really do find the, uh, the zombie stories? Maybe so. Yeah. No one asked me that. Uh, maybe so. Maybe you're on to something. Yeah. So, uh, when, so is Tom, I assume, is doing both uh, makeup on the movie, or maybe his uh, people are, and directing it. So what, what's that like? I, I, I think Tom was more overseeing. He approved all of the effects. And I'm sure he... Um, well, I know that he, you know, was a part of how, planning the effects, what's going to happen when, storyboarding everything. So the guys, then the Everett and Johnny would um, would go with, okay, now they get to figure out how to make that happen. So Tom would say, I want this to happen. 
and then they have to make it happen. And obviously with, with Tom being who he is, he could also work with them on, okay, this is how I, I, I see it happening, how you make this happen. But Johnny and, and Everett both have gone on to win awards for their work. So they are really smart guys and, and know what they're doing. Um, Tom is an amazing director and he's a fantastic actor's director. I, I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Um, he, he being an actor, uh, knows what we need. He trusts us. He empowers actors and, 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 and he treated us with respect. And I, I have been on sets that where directors have been total dickheads. So I, I am very grateful for having an experience, especially when I was the first time I was a lead in a film to work with a director who treated me with such respect. Yeah. Uh, he didn't uh, direct much till like years later. Do you, do you know why? Because uh, I love the the remake of Night of Living Dead, and you think he would have went on to do more uh, movies? As yeah, a director. yeah I, I couldn't answer you that. I mean, that's that's a question for Tommy. I, I've always yeah. thought he should direct more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, r- r- how uh, how involved was uh, George Romero in, in the remake? I didn't see much of George's involvement until the very end. At the very beginning, he was around a little bit, you know, just wishing us well. I know that they had meetings and conversations, and they were, they were, you know, the they were the powers that be. I was focused on my job, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't see a whole lot of George until the very end of the film. Yeah, uh, um, Bill Mosley plays your brother. Yeah, yeah I'm a big fan of Bill Mosley. Uh, and you went on to work with him a few times after that. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. We we got to do. Uh, he was my captain in Army of Darkness. He was uh, uh, my ex husband and producer in Dead Air. I, I really love working with Bill. Yeah. What was yeah. he like uh, when you first meet him? He was. In fact, we were like the first two actors to arrive, and. He was great. He walked me through some things. Um, there's union paperwork and there's union um, perks that he was helping me become aware of. Also, um, and this is not a very well-known fact, but I was very ill when I arrived on set. I had picked up a parasite in Italy and didn't know what was wrong with me. The doctors had tried and I, I lost like, I lost all this weight. And when I arrived in Pittsburgh to shoot Night Living Dead, Tommy was like, Patty, you're supposed to be one of the living. (laughs) I was so skeletal. I'm normally like a size eight and I was a size four. Oh, wow. uh, The wardrobe woman was going crazy because all the clothes were falling off of me. And you might even notice in those opening scenes, the blouse that they had me in is gigantic on me because they didn't have time to do much in the way of replacement of the wardrobe yet. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone listening, uh, if they want uh, weight loss tips, it's parasites. Parasites. They do it. You can't keep anything down. It's awesome. (laughs) So (laughs) I I, I saw you've also done a lot of uh, stunt work. So Yes. Which came first? Did did you uh, pursue to be a, a stunt person or an actor? No, no, I was definitely an actor. I've been working uh-huh. specially since I was fifteen. Um, that the stunt work I basically just fell into. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> uh, that actually took me a second. I know I could hear it. Oh well, <laughs> right. I was trying to fill it in. Uh, <laughs> I worked on a film, another George Romero film, like as you mentioned, Night Riders. And on that film, there was a big team of stunt guys. 
because of all the motorcycle work in that movie. And um, I started, you know, talking to them. We were on a set for three months together. You talk to people, you start to get to know each other really well in between downtime and shots. And it, it started to catch her. I, I can't even, I can't say that that's where I decided to become a stunt person, but it, it was capturing my attention. And I, I thought, what a, what a unique way to make a living. Um, but I don't think I actually ended up doing stunts for um, uh, another five, seven years. Okay. So did you do any stunts in Night of Living Dead? No, you know, actors are not supposed to do their own stunts. You can do it right. when you're Tom Cruise, you know, because if he breaks an ankle, it shuts down the film. Oh, well, he's one of the producers, which is exactly what happened in the last Mission Impossible. But, they, you know, they, they can't have actors hurting themselves or getting injured. So um, I did in, let's see, in night. I did a, I did a lot of running around and I beat up I beat up the dummy um, <laughs> Uncle Reed you know I beat him yeah. up that really me that's about it yeah well, which is, <laughs> which is actually harder to do like uh, like the physical <laughs> work or like uh, like an emotional scene oh, Neil these are really good questions I appreciate Thanks. it because I do a lot of these so it's really really great to hear your take on things um, it's I, I say that when I'm doing stunts, I always think, oh, I wish I was just acting. And when I'm acting, I'm like, oh, I wish I was just getting hit by a car, you know? <laughs> and so so um, I, I did, though, I really feel like I, I kind of did all I wanted to do as a stunt person. Um, so I'm happy to leave that world behind. You know, I still like doing fights or I like doing fencing. It's just something that's fun. But um, as an actor, it's almost like you never really get to do everything you want to do unless you're a huge star and constantly working. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, are there, there, I guess there has to be for, for stunt double stuff, but you don't hear a lot about uh, female uh, stunt uh, people. Right. So yeah. uh, uh, when you got into it, was there a lot of competition? There's always a lot of competition, but I was a really good size, uh, being five nine and uh, a size six, size eight. I doubled a lot of actresses, um, so that helped just being that size. And then uh, I was willing to take some really hard hits, like and uh, you know hit the ground hard. Or uh, there was no job I turned down because it was too hard. There might be a job like a motorcycle stunt I turned down because I'm not trained. Right. But otherwise, it was, yeah. And I always showed up and I always did the job. I mean, it's kind of surprising how many times you get on set and, and a stunt person balks mm -hmm. on a job, you know, uh, that kind of shocked me. But nowadays, so much is done with uh, effects. So uh, it, in a way, it's good because people aren't risking their lives in the same way. And in a way, it's kind of a shame because it was uh, a really adventurous way to make a living. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't recommend it, okay. but it really was a really adventurous way to make a living. Yeah. So we talked about Barbara's story arc and how she's different from the original one. Did did uh, people pick up on that at the time, or or is it uh, more over time? Because it. Well, I think both. I think you're right. Both. Um, at the time, I definitely heard, you know, how, especially from other women saying, oh, I'm so glad this character was so different, you know, and that she was so badass. Uh, and Sigourney Weaver had done Alien. So, you know, that was starting to that 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 trope is starting to get broken of, of the idiot woman 
getting murdered, being the first victim kind of thing. Um, but yeah, getting a chance to, to be, I felt like I used a lot of myself in that movie and getting a chance to be badass was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. When the internet uh, came about and conventions and stuff, um, before that, were you aware that 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 the uh, your Night of Living Dead had such a following? Oh no, yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea, I, and we didn't know when we were doing it that it would become anything special. You know, you're just trying to do the best job you can. Everybody really does, and I think you know we talk about this a lot uh, amongst ourselves, uh, actors and my friends in the business. That it takes kind of this magic alchemy that happened to to make a movie that. Um, rises above the rest. Uh, everybody tries to make a movie that's going to rise above the rest, right? So it, it, it is this kind of strange magic that happens, a chemistry that happens that's almost unpredictable. Um, so we were very lucky. I mean, we, we, the, as a cast, we got along great. We're all still friends. Uh, I think, you know, Tom had the magic touch and George wrote a great script. It was all these great things that kind of came together. Yeah. 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 I'd imagine that Tony. Like, kind of like you're, what you're saying, you know, at the time of the, mm-hmm. that movie came out, it was different enough that I think it sparked some interest. And then, um, and, and it's a movie that's holding up. I'm proud of it still. You know, it's not mm-hmm. something I ever have to make excuses for. I'm, I've always been able to, to hold yeah. my head up. Yeah, I always loved it, and I watch it again for the interview, and it, it definitely still holds up. Yeah, and, uh, thank you. Yeah, and I love the original one. It's uh, yeah. it's it's similar enough that it's not like uh, you know different, like they just go a totally different direction. But yet, it's it's different enough that it's its own movie. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, how about Tony Todd? Who uh, oh. was band? He's amazing <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. He's hilarious. Tony yeah, was hilarious. What was he like on set? Um, he, uh, he's amazing. I'm only pausing because what do you say about Tony Todd? He's, uh, a really great guy. And when he, I can't remember the film that he, that he had come off of, but he was working a lot and he, he was kind of in this world of bigger films and projects and Hollywood. And we were, uh, we knew, you know, the Tom's crew, I knew a lot of those guys and, we were kind of more of a family. And then with uh, me and Billy Butler was a child star. So he, you know, he, he had a lot of experience, but everybody else had more of a family vibe going on. So Tony comes in with this Hollywood gloss, this glamour. And we were like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to become part of the family, whether you like it or not. So it was really fun to, to kind of, you know, bust, bust his chops every once in a while. And he totally embraced it. Yeah. Yeah. He would try to take naps because we're shooting all nights. Right. So except for the first uh, scene, the rest of it was all night. So we would be, you know, kind of taking little cat naps here and there. We are the, the cast. We didn't have a dressing room. We, they took the barn of that house that house had an actual barn and the stalls, uh, they hung shower curtains in between it, uh, to, to create um, like little privacy cubicles, dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. And then we would hang out in the, the main area of the barn, which they put furniture in. They kind of, you know, the floors were dirt and some wood in some places. So they put carpets down and they put in 
uh, it looked like stuff that people put on the curb, you know, <laughs> so they, oh, here's a couch, let's bring it, in. <laughs> we'll put it, put it in the actor's lounge. <laughs> so we had this barn and Tony would be trying to take a nap or something in the barn. And we were like, oh yeah, we're going to totally wake up Tony. <laughs> Just like do shit with him. Cause the house was full of this random, um, strange artifacts, like stuffed mounted creatures and there was this little stuffed alligator that i i would carry around with me for some i don't know why i was punch drunk and i i would i put it in bed with tony so he'd wake up and his arms are around the the little stuffed alligator shit like that put antlers on his head (laughs) anything we could do to bust his chops and he was such a good sport yeah if there was Facebook and social media around oh at the time, there'd probably be pictures everywhere. Right, well. there would have been pictures, and his life would have been ruined. But <laughs> <laughs> no. one of my favorite people, Tom Tolls, one of my uh, one of our first guests on the show back in two thousand six, oh, I think he's yeah. he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what what was he like on the set? And, he's, uh, he's hilarious. Uh, I, I mean, very that big personality as you can imagine there's that going on and uh he had that voice he wasn't afraid to go as far as he could go um pushing buttons or being silly or whatever he was he was a great sport yeah and uh yeah. he has some he has some lines in the movie i think if someone else would uh would say it might come off like a lame because he's like calling people lame brains and yo-yos, right. but <laughs> with right. his delivery, it's amazing. It's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Tommy took care of me when I was sick too. Um, Cause I, that, that first week I was still very sick and I couldn't keep food down and we couldn't, like I said, nobody knew what was going on. So the, uh, somebody in the office t- got me to this doctor who prescribed something that worked that killed the bug but then i was still um my tummy was so destroyed from not only the the bug itself but then the 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 medicine so tom took me under his wing because he was he's quite he was quite the um naturopath he was into natural medicine and he started putting yogurt in me and and this is before we knew about probiotics right yeah. so he was finding all that stuff to put the good bacteria back into my system and that's what that's what turned me around mm-hmm. yeah that's but, a few, few years ago i had some issues i had uh, 14 inches of my colon removed so i know all about uh, probiotics and... oh my god yeah okay so that it was uh completely unknown then and i was really grateful for his he was like a, a big mama bear <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it's weird because uh, when I I met him a bunch of times, and he is a really big guy. But in the movie, I guess because Tony Todd's very tall, he doesn't yes. look as big. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. How was the? What did you think of the finished movie when you first saw it? Oh, I, I was I was uh, pleasantly surprised, happily surprised. You know, I, um, we were all rooting for it, and I was very. Um, happy about it i thought as a cast we really were truthful and honest and there wasn't false notes you know i felt like the acting was really natural and honest all the way through which i loved and the effects came across amazing tom built that tension with his directing you know built the tension in the story i just i felt like it really worked yeah was was there ever any talk to do a sequel Mm -mm. not that i know of yeah yeah 
I've uh, some questions here from uh, Facebook. Uh, yep. Renee Merced wants to see. Well, first he says I had a crush on you. Um, how is Tom Savini as a director, which we already talked about? Did it feel like working with a first-time director? Never, never felt like a first-time director. Not to not to the actors. We all felt great about it. I mean, I don't know if there was anything going on with the crew. That everybody felt like they were working really well to, together. So uh, I'll just speak from my my perspective. I was, mm-hmm. like I said, I was really grateful. Yeah. Uh, Natosha Wilson says uh, she was six when the movie came out, and. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, a movie that she begged her mom to watch over and over again. <gasps> Are you kidding? So you watched it when you were six? Oh my god, you poor thing. Scarred uh, for life. I uh, wouldn't let my kid watch it. He didn't see it until he was, I don't know, like 17, 18. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I probably shouldn't admit this. And the, the, first, uh, the first movie I have memories of seeing is the original Night of the Living Dead. I was like six myself, five or six <laughs> at, the, at, at the drive-in. Because uh, a single mom and uh, my brother's nine years older, so instead of getting like a babysitter, mm-hmm. she would take me along to the to the drive-in with him <laughs> and his friends. And I was I said this story in the show before, but uh, it's my f- first memory of seeing a movie, and I started to cry during oh. the scene when when the truck blows up and the zombies start eating people. No. And my mom turned to me and said, "Oh, it's all right. They're just having a barbecue." Oh. <laughs> and Neil? Uh, then I was I was fine after that. Well, Neil, this fine is like it's like. <laughs> yes, other people have said that. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, oh, so her question was: If I could ask you anything, it would be how scared of zombies were you after being in uh, Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, right. It made it much worse. <laughs> I, it just solidified. It's yeah, yeah. Um, I do have those memories of being just completely. Now you know. Oh, you know my tummy woes from the uh-huh. story, but, and here I am trying to eat. Right. And I'm surrounded by this disistingness. So that didn't help either. Uh, yeah. I've uh, never hey. recovered from that. Right. <laughs> I'll just say, I hope you're, I hope you're doing better. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not uh, around. So I'm afraid. Uh, my friend Heather, Heather Buckley said she actually uh, interviewed you for the army of darkness. Uh, Blu-ray oh, disc. okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. She, uh, she wants to know what draws you to uh, to genre work. What draws you to do uh, horror movies? Uh, I I just lucked into it. It wasn't anything I had focused on, but I did. I have told this story. I hope I hope I'm not boring you. But the, the um, when I was a kid, the, my main games to play with my cousin were Dark Shadows and Star Trek. Mm-hmm. We would play with our Barbies and create Star Trek stories, or we would we would act out Dark Shadows. So it, it, I don't think it's an accident that my career was mostly sci-fi and horror. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you it, you you become what you focus on. So that's what I focused on, and that's that's where my career went. Meeting George Romero, starting in his in his work, I did five projects with George, and uh, except for Night Riders, which was not horror. Um, everything else was. And then I think because I was in some horror movie, I ended up in more horror movies, um, mm. plus doing stunt work The the wim- women in horror movies are always in peril, right? They're always having terrible things happen to them. So I worked a lot in that and a lot of Star yeah. Trek stuff. Yeah. yeah. She also wants to know, uh, do you have any favorite final girls before besides yourself? I suppose. 
Do I have any favorite final girls? What does that mean? See, that's a new. It used to be like the uh, scream queen was like the term, and then um, the new term is final girls because it's re- really you're one of the first, or uh, like I said, an alien, uh, where it's the final uh, girl in the movie who's like uh, who ends up, you know, uh, surviving. Oh my gosh, you have schooled me in a whole new phrase: final girls. Right. I love it. Well, yes, I would have to say um, Sigourney Weaver, because she's also a hero of mine anyway. Uh, but, yeah, Ripley, right? Holy yeah, shit. definitely. The original yeah. badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the new Terminator they brought back. Oh, uh, I know. I'm very, oh, I know. Very, very yeah. excited about that. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you watch uh, horror movies now? I like scary stuff. The last thing I just watched was on Netflix. It was that Haunting of Hill House miniseries. Oh, yeah. And it scared the shit out of me. Uh, and I, I couldn't stop watching it. There are a little bit of gory things in there, but it was easy to close my eyes for that. So mostly oh, yeah. it was just really scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do you want to talk about uh, your, uh, the Penny Lane charity? Because uh, I noticed you do. Oh, I appreciate of, uh, that. Yeah. yeah, and I also want to tell you about this other thing I'm doing. But Penny Lane is um, anybody who's on my Facebook page. Uh, I do a, a holiday thing for those kids. I've been doing it for a little over 25 years now. And um, we get together and make sure that these kids who have been abused, they've been so abused they can't be placed in regular foster care. So um, they're in group homes. And I have teenagers from 12 to 18 and I just tried to provide a Christmas for them. We put on a, a Christmas dinner. We make a little party um, decorations. And then Santa comes and they get a bag. Instead of a stocking, they get a bag, like a big gift bag. And it's full of fun stuff for them. And I design each bag for each kid. And then they get a gift card to the mall. So we raise cash for the gift cards and then split it up amongst the, the kids. So they all get a gift card for the same amount of money. Oh, um, nice. And they could go do their own shopping because they're teenagers, you know, they want to shop for their own stuff. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. If you want to join the fun, it's pennylane.org. No, not it, and that's the that's the group home, so you can see what they're about. And if you're interested in being part of Be a Santa, that's be a Santa.org. Or on my Facebook page, which is uh, Facebook backslash Patricia Tallman page. And we always start promoting, you know. Penny Lane stuff in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, what are you doing currently? I lead adventure retreats for nerds. That's my new business called Quest Retreats. And I've been doing it since 2015. And I've got a huge Lord of the Rings trip coming up. Uh, I'm going to take everybody through New Zealand, starting at the top of the North Island and going all the way down to the South Island. We're hitting all the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit locations and doing fun stuff in between. And uh, it's a 16-day adventure. And you could see that if you'd like to go to questretreats.com and check it out. And then uh, there's an apply button, and you can apply. Uh, Send me an email at pat at questretreats.com and uh, I'll tell you more about it. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's amazing. I, I took two trips to New Zealand, two month-long trips to scout everything out. I really wanted to just uh, make sure I picked the best things to do and the things that got me excited. If I get excited about it, I figure it's got to be good. And yeah. I, I, I tried every excursion, every company, 
And what I found was that nobody was doing it the way I thought it should be done. So I put together my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I grew up knowing watching horror movies of playing the Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah. Oh yeah. Perfect. 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 Got a lot of gamers going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when did you start that? Because it it really, uh, I really like that idea. Oh, thanks. Uh, 2015 was my first trip. So I started thinking about it, obviously, before that and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then I realized what was getting me excited. That was my clue. So I put together a a London trip. It was all around Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It was opening at the West End. And I thought to go to see a West End play with the original cast and it's Harry Potter it's that's going to be so epic and then I created this whole week it's 10 days of going to see the play of doing all these Sherlock Doctor Who Harry Potter all these fun amazing things to 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 see around London I didn't do the usual stuff because hey you don't need me for that you know you don't need me to take it to Madame Tussaud you know you can do that on your own but I found like all of these kind of obscure and epic uh, events to do for in our time together plus we're hanging out together you know it's a bunch of nerds yeah. together so we all get the jokes you know we yeah. all instant community you know <laughs> it's so fun and yeah. it's a small group you know i have 10 or 15 people on the trip depending and so it's just us it's really yeah, fun. I, went, I went to london for the first time last year with my friend Uh-oh. jason Yes. And he's a big Harry Potter fan. And so we went to, I forget which platform it's called, something in three quarters. Platform nine and three quarters, yeah. There you go. All right. And I actually did get a platform nine and three quarters patch because it was pretty cool. But, it is yeah. cool, isn't it? It's really yeah, it's amazing cool. to be there and just see it. It's just so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were going to go to a Harry Potter themed uh, bar, but it was uh, closed for renovation at the time. Oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have everybody do a potions class, and we we have you know, and then you have to drink the potions, but they're all <laughs> alcoholic, so it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we end up we end up finding a Breaking Bad theme bar, which was like in like a van, and you had to you had to make your own cocktails, like oh, with like God. dry ice and stuff. So it was like scientific, That's like awesome. you're making. Yeah, it was. It was. Kind of, we did the same thing though. Went to a lot of. Uh, not like the the because when I came back, my brother's like, "Did you see this?" And I was like, "No." And he's like, "Why yeah. did you even go?" And did you see? I was like, "I don't know." We went to see. We went to Fleet Street, you know, like yeah. uh, Demon Barber Fleet Street. Yeah, I had a meat pie and stuff yes. like that. See, stuff like that is so. I mean, London is one of my favorite cities because there's layers upon layers upon layers of of that town. I, I don't. I don't know. How, I, I don't know how you would ever see everything. Because there's so much going on, and it, it it's ancient, right? So you can do yeah. these things that are incredible, getting down into the subterranean or going to these amazing high-end bars, restaurants, or taking trips on the Thames, um, just doing a Dickensian tour. Uh, I had a guy who is he does all the walking tours in London, and he did. Uh, he I said I, this is what I want, and he created a tour for us. He, yeah, it was like so weird because we walked through these t- tiny little narrow passages. So that's yeah. what I wanted to bring to New Zealand, you know, to bring that same kind of uh, ability to dig down deep and find the the stuff that was going to get us so excited. Yeah. Right? And New Zealand's all out in in the open. It's it's um, it's a very natural place, whereas London is the ultimate urban experience, right? So mm-hmm. New Zealand's kind of the other end of it. And I've got people that are coming back and doing repeated trips with me because they want to see, okay, what's she going to do now? 
Yeah. So when you do New Zealand, is it like a lot of hiking? No, no, it's not. Um, it's not an athletic trip. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it, we are going to be outside, and we do have walks that we'll be doing. But we're not going to hike to the top of Mount Doom or anything like that. <laughs> right. Uh, you do need to be able to move around. It's not for. I, unfortunately, it's not wheelchair access. But it is. Right. You know, we're going to be getting on yeah. horses. We're going to go on boats. We're going to, you know, be at the top of a mountain and take gondola rides. And, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's all. And I bring celebrities along into the picture too, depending on where I can fit them in. So, mm. like with the, uh, when we were in London, we had two actors from Harry Potter join us for a oh. day. And yeah, so like uh, in Hawaii, I had Jonathan Frakes join us for a boat ride. Or Christopher right. Judge came along for a snorkel trip. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It's really fun. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah, very cool. That's what so, I can bring to it. You know, as an actor, I can bring the kind of the behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So uh, you mentioned uh, your Facebook page. Where, where um, is that your uh, preferred method people follow you? Yeah, I have an Instagram too called Quest Retreats, Quest dot Retreats, and the numeral four nerds. That's the Instagram. But yeah, both of those places are great. Or QuestRetreats.com. dot com. All right. Very you know, good. if you're interested in the trips themselves, like get on my mailing list because then I'll send you. Uh, you know, when when I have new trips come up you'll get the info on them because they're small. So they fill up fast and um, you want to know about it. If it's something that, that flips your switch. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> well I appreciate you coming on. I really enjoyed talking. Uh, to you. Thanks Neil. I really appreciate it. Cool. Let me know if you uh, uh, have any other questions for me. Well, okay. I do have a few ones here. I would, would want to uh, about playing the possessed witch in army of darkness. Yeah. Uh, uh, was that a fun experience, and what was Bruce Campbell like? Bruce is hilarious. I mean, he pretty much is exactly who you think he is, just this wacky dude. I've known Bruce since I was in college because he was dating and then married one of my sorority sisters. So uh, he, I, I met him uh, before they had done the original Evil Dead, and then right after we all got out of college, I guess, he and Sam did uh, the first Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um and what was I going to say about that? That you were asking me how it was like to work with? What did you ask me? Yeah, I was just, uh, well, was it a fun experience? And um, he's a fun experience. It right. was a very hard experience. Uh-huh. Not because of Bruce. Because um, the, the character of the witch was uh, a tremendous amount of work. There was the, uh, and it doesn't look like it, and I, and I understand that, but um, I had to go to K and B effects and get uh, a, my full, a full body. Um, what do you call a full body uh, cast yeah. made? Yeah. My head uh, was made a couple different times. Uh, they built the witch on, on my head and then applying the witch, putting the witch on was about a four and a half hour process. And she was incredibly uncomfortable. I couldn't eat. I could hardly pee. Uh, I had my hands even work where, you know, the hands are all covered and the nails are gigantic and crazy. So it was, it was a tough, it was about a a 17 hour shoot day for me. And then it took another two and a half hours just to get out of makeup. Um, And we had to shoot it all in one day because that was the budget we were budgeted. So we went over, 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 over. Um, And then I took 17 shotgun blasts. That was 17 hits. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a it was a gnarly day. I love doing 
that sure. and I and I was by the end of the day, Sam was saying, okay, uh, for the final, you know, the death blow, uh, do something interesting, die somehow interesting. And I was so exhausted. Plus I had, I don't know if you could see them, the, the, the opaque, um, contact lenses on and mm-hmm. those, those lenses are huge. They're huge circles. So they push up on the upper and the lower flesh where your yeah. eyes are actually, your eyes are connected. And, uh, um, I, I'm just kind of constantly weeping, you know, because of the tears are coming out of your face uh, and it hurt. So wearing those for hours on end and they'd take them out and then they'd put them back in. By the end of it, the, the effects guys were having to hold me down to jam those things back. It's like wearing CDs in your face. You know? yeah. It was awful and I can't see. So they're shooting me and I have to just go by where I feel the blast on my body because the, the squibs actually do explode. Um, so the, for the last, the last, uh, uh gunshot, I, I, I couldn't even sink anymore. So all I did was fall face, face forward on my face. Yeah. And yeah. Sam thought that was absolutely hilarious. I just keel over. I don't even react to it. And I just, poof. And that was the only thing I could think of doing. And they, Bruce and Sam Ramey called me on their cell phone at the time, their car phone, which is about as big as a shoebox, right? And left me a message on my answering machine on the tape. That's how long ago it was. Going, you are the best monster ever. <laughs> you know, it was just so sweet. It was so sweet. Made it all worth it. Yeah. Oh, very good. <laughs> Which is the which is worse, actually getting the the four hours getting the makeup on, or when they're taking it off? Taking it off because you're yeah. so done, you're so over it. It's itchy. It's your your skin is screaming, you know. And I, yeah, taking it off. Oh my god! Like what? <laughs> I'm still here. We're the last people on the set. We're just everyone else has gone home, gone to bed. Yeah. Oh. Was that the was that the only time you played someone with like you know full makeup on? No, I did a lot with Star Trek. I played every alien, right. some that never got named. You know, I was. Yeah. But that was that was the most extensive. Right. For sure. Uh, for someone who grew up uh, playing Star Trek with with your with your friends, uh, what's it like then to later on you know be in Star Trek episodes uh, and you know, Babylon Five? Yeah, it was completely uh, fantastic. And I would sneak around and take pictures of myself, like, in the captain's chair. Because, you know, nerd. Sure, of course. Of course, right? Yeah. And I wasn't. Was the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was pretty awesome. I had a uniform in every color uh, in, in wardrobe because I was, I was the resident stunt double for all these actresses. And it was awesome. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you... Did you do you keep any of that stuff or anything from your movie? No, they don't let you. No, no. All right. <laughs> yeah, and everything's pretty much lock and key. You know, they yeah. every they check it in, they check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, do you uh, still do uh, acting? Yeah, I would. I don't pursue it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just. I'm way more excited about my adventure retreats. Yeah. That sounds really fun to me. Yeah, Quest Retreats is, it's consuming me right now. And I, yeah, I have no interest in auditioning. 
you know, to have to prove myself to anybody. And I, I also really love having control over my own business. Like the business will do as well as I put myself, right? I apply myself. And that is not the case in the entertainment industry, I find. As hard as I worked, you know, it seemed like my destiny was not in my own hands. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Because you've got all these suits and, and all of these opinions on who they want to hire and uh, yeah, it's sort of it's just this massive crapshoot. So yeah, I like having I like having my own my work prove uh, prove what I can do as opposed to somebody else deciding what I can do. I got you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I had a great time, and uh, <laughs> like to keep in touch if you ever like to come back on or. Absolutely. Keep me keep me posted if something works out. Maybe around um, Halloween or something, people will have some more questions. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, great. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Now this town is over. Donaldson, I'm Spring Queen from Happy Birthday to Me, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Ooh. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by actor and burlesque headliner Tanya Kay, who has uh, derailed coming this August from Uncork Entertainment. It's very cool to have you here. Hi, Neil. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So, what interested you in derailed? Oh, derailed is 
a horror movie. I love horror movies. It's a monster horror movie, which I even love additionally. Uh-huh. Monster horror. It's super fun for me. And, uh, you know, I knew some people working on it. One of the producers is a really good friend of mine. So it's always a joy to work with uh, the people you enjoy hanging out with, too. Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a plus. So, and you get to wear cool wardrobes in the movie. Yes, it's a 1920s-based uh, film, and I do 1920s really well. I love the wardrobe. I love the styling. We actually filmed in a train museum. My role was filmed in a train museum, so this train is authentically from the turn of the century as well. So oh, everything cool. about the styling set dressing, the hair and makeup, wardrobe, everything was really beautiful in that old 1920s way. Yeah. So when you, because it looks like you're actually in the, in like a train car, uh, when you're filming, are you, and is, uh, is that any, is that difficult to film in like a small area? Yeah, yeah, we were for real. It was a train museum. So these are antique trains that we actually filmed on. Um, which was cool in itself because of the authenticity of it. And uh, and it was hard, hard for a couple reasons. One is because uh, it's a working train museum, so we couldn't film during daytime hours. Oh, right. And so we shot night. So that's hard. Um, also, the space, like you said, space requirements, it's small, very small. It's almost like in terms of having – because what you see when you're watching – you see whatever, you see one, two, and in some of these scenes, you see seven actors on camera, but behind the camera, there's a whole camera department, there's a whole sound department, there's ADs, so there's a lot of people that you don't see on set behind the camera, so that little train car would hold 20 people, lights, equipment, you name it. If that was something that was fun and interesting, you couldn't get really loud. Um, sound, you know, sometimes when you're on set and you're just being held and waiting for your car, you kind of have a whisper conversation. You couldn't even do that in a train car because it's just too small. Everybody can hear you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't talk bad about anybody. Not that you would. Oh, no. Right. No, and actors shouldn't ever talk bad about anyone because right, right. we're good people, but also because we're mic'd. So you're, yeah, you're point, on, yeah. you're being recorded. <laughs> I didn't think about that. So uh, also when I, was wa- when I was watching, I was wondering, because, you know, the train's rocking, so it looks like the train's moving. Uh, how, how do they go about doing that? Do they actually have people rocking the train while you're filming, or is that, like, done, like, after you, you film the movie? Uh, no, that was uh, completely practical. So if it looks like it's rocking, it's because the actors are rocking and, you know, moving back and forth. And then the camera would mirror that movement to make it look like, you know, the center of focus or the point of reference was also moving. So the train definitely did not move at yeah. any point. That's pretty kind of like uh, old Star Wars when they have to move around the, the set. Yeah. Captain Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you like horror movies, especially monster movies. I'm sorry to interrupt you. What were you going to say? Oh, and I'm sure in post-production, they have options 
to add a shake or something to. I don't know what they did in post-production. I, I do know what we did on set, though, and that was a lot of movement of our own accord and a lot of camera, camera movement yeah. to keep that uh-huh. look. I mentioned the wardrobe, um, and you said that you fit the 1920s look, and I agree with that, especially with the hair and everything that matches. But the uh, uh, is it was it your own wardrobe, and if not, did you get to keep it? <laughs> it was not my own wardrobe, and uh, no, I did not get to keep it. And that's, that's un- pretty standard for for film <laughs> making. Right, right. So, something like horror movies, especially uh, creature monster movies. Um, what what are some of your favorite monster movies? And is that why you uh, wanted to become an actor? Oh, I've been acting. Well, I wanted to become an actor. I've been doing this since I was like a child, like four years old. So I just had it in me. It, I started out <laughs> doing community theater with my parents. And they were the ones basically that wanted to do theater. And they had this little kid. So they made me audition as well. And we did it as a family, you know. Uh, There's really good vibes for me. It's family-based. It's love-based. It's it's a worthwhile endeavor to perform, act, dance, sing. And uh, I owe that to my parents getting me into community theater with them when I was really young. Um, That's why I I just, it's a way of life for me. I think that's why I act, uh, why I act is uh, also because it's noble. I appreciate human beings. Um, I love human beings. I'm annoyed by human beings. I'm repulsed by human beings. I celebrate human beings. And acting is kind of a way to understand human beings that you're not necessarily like, and you understand them through becoming them. So I I think it's a, a really noble human endeavor to uh, open yourself up to different people and different ways of life that you wouldn't have otherwise considered or known or empathized with. But other people just do it for the fame. Um, Because you know all us indie stars, we are big time famous. Big time famous. Uh Um, One of my favorite monster movies Mm -hmm. is uh, one that I was in. Uh, Full Moon Features does these really great monster movies. Uh, you know Puppet Master series, Of course, right? yeah. I've had Charles Band on many times. I, I'm a big fan of uh, this Oh, good. Yes. I love Charles. I love uh-huh. their movies. Um, I was I was the villain in Puppet Master 11 and um, called Axis Termination. And um, I just love the Puppet Master series. I love their... Puppets aren't really monsters, but they're they're the same thing. They're what I love about monsters. Yeah. And I also did their uh, Evil Bong 666 uh, horror film, and it's one of my favorite horror films of all time. Yeah. And what what is it about small? Because I, I I'm not trying to be a tough guy. I'm not like uh, I'm because I grew up watching horror movies. So I don't get scared of horror movies. But uh, the one thing that sometimes. Uh, always got to me, especially when I was younger, is uh, small things like um, toys and the puppets and stuff. I think it's because I always had a lot of action figures, but do you, know, do, you have a, do you have a reason you think why like small monsters in movies are creepy? I think it plays on the child in all of us. Like, everybody had toys, and everybody thought they saw them moving, and, and toys are something that actually populate even adults' worlds. 
you know, right. we, we still have toys. So the idea that your toys could turn against you is sometimes more scary because it's based in reality. Like there's toys surrounding me all the time, but the idea that, you know, a creature from outer space would haunt you or attack you, that takes a little more imagination. So I think that's why the toys or the little objects as the monsters is, is popular because mm-hmm. it, it applies. Like we all have those things in our lives. So yeah. it's, it's more fun to get scared of them because you can kind of go home and convince yourself that your own <laughs> objects are going to turn against you. Right. Yeah. I actually have some He-Man figures right here on my desk under the, uh, yeah. under the computer. I'm a very cool guy. I've exactly. Lost toys <laughs> So, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, Puppet Master Axis uh, Termination. Um, so, it wasn't fun to play them. It wasn't fun to play a Nazi, I guess. Oh, one more time. Was it fun? Was it fun to play the villain in, in the Puppet Master? Was it fun to play a a, a, um, a Nazi character? Yes, it was. And now I was a Puppet Master, by the way. So mm-hmm. I was in cahoots with Nazis. But I was, I don't consider my character a Nazi. I was in cahoots with them, but I lived since the beginning of time. So I'm actually a puppet master. So I owe no one allegiance. I'm just out for myself, essentially. Right. But yes, I love playing villains. I love it. Yeah. So do you have a favorite puppet from the Puppet Master movies? Oh, Leech Woman's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, also, when I when I would rent VHS tapes like in the '80s, and uh, anytime the full moon uh, features would pop up, you know, at the beginning, I'd always be really happy because I'd be like, "Oh, I'm a, I know I'm gonna enjoy this movie." So yeah, I was always uh, always a fan of all their movies. Yeah, there's so many different ways to make horror, right? And I I appreciate most of them, um, but I I really appreciate full moon version because there's a lot of fun in it. It's colorful, yeah. the way they do their lighting. There's lots of color. There's lots of toys. There's puppets. It's fun. Um, they always have monsters or some sort of strange prosthetic object. Uh, it's just fun. Like, I don't... It's my favorite type of horror, the fun type, mm-hmm. where you don't really think that the world is going to destroy you that evening. <laughs> you know, right. like, I, right. I appreciate some of those films as well but i like fantastical kind of campy fun stuff yeah yeah so i got to see a, a girl on the third floor um this was like four months ago at <clears throat> boston underground film festival uh what was that movie like to to uh, to work in i thought it was great i thought it was one of the best movies of the festival oh good i just had a walk-on part in that film but it was really cool working with travis stevens um the director it's his feature film debut, directorial debut. He produces a lot of horror, but this was his directorial debut on a feature. And he was a great director to work with, really easy to work with. He gave unique directions. Um, and my character is a nymph, and she's totally painted gold. So that was kind of, that was an extra fun extra fun part of my role is that I had gold and glitter all over my life 
three weeks. My car, my shoes, the cracks in my body all had gold glitter in them for three additional weeks. We filmed that one in uh, Chicagoland. So we were outside of Chicago for that one. And I used to live in Chicago, so that was another awesome part of the girl on the third floor is that I got to go back and back to Chicago. My friends, yeah. my old life, I love it there. Yeah. Yeah, Travis very cool. I got a video interview with him there and uh, hung out with him a little bit at the after party. He's a very cool guy. And, the, um, yeah. and, C- and CM Punk is also in it, who's a, a big wrestler from Chicago. Uh, did you? Were you around him much, uh, filmed the movie, and what did you think of him as an actor? Uh, I wasn't around him. I didn't have any scenes with him, unfortunately. And they don't give actors copies of the film, so you've mm. actually seen it, and I haven't. <laughs> right. Well, I, I did, thought he did a good job. <laughs> he, has, he has kind of a Bruce Campbell uh, quality to him. <clears throat> oh, good, 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 good. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, um, I'm in another horror film. I don't know... If, have you heard of Erotica? Yeah, I was going to ask you, but I have not I had a chance to see it yet. I know a lot of my friends have seen it. It's, a, it's an infamous horror movie in a way. So uh, what was it like to, to film it. Erotica? Yeah. Well, Erotica was fun. Um, what a unique experience. What a unique experience. I could definitely say that. Working with Glenn Danzig, also his directorial debut um, on a feature film. Uh we kind of got warned, like, you know, make Glenn happy. Everybody was kind of <laughs> uptight when I got to set and that he was going to be really specific and they were uptight about it. And then I got on set and was actually working with him and he's the greatest. He's, he didn't give a ton of interaction, but what he did was really supportive and complimentary. And so I don't know if it was just me or if he's just like, he's like a very nice man. He's a nice director and he, he made me feel like we were creating something that, that was in line with what he was envisioning. So that's always a good feeling as an actor to feel like your director's happy and they're getting what they want. Um, it was unique. Veronica was also unique because as you know, it's based on his comic book series. Mm-hmm. So, the storyboard essentially was frames from the comic book. So, when he was setting up shots, he was not specifically looking. He, it was a different process. He was looking at it to match a frame in his comic book series. It was very specific, and the lighting was specific, and the costuming and the hairs were specific. But um, I thought I thought that was neat, you know? It's had... Very passionate reviews. Yes. Some people say it's, you know, it is so atrocious to some people that they believe it will go down in cult history. Uh-huh. I would agree. After seeing the LA premiere, <laughs> um, right. it it was. I've never been a part of this before. Uh, uh-huh. Indie film that packed. Uh, I think it's a thousand feet house. Mm-hmm. I have never been in an indie film that the premiere packed a thousand seats, mm. but Veronica did, yeah. and uh, I watched it for the first time there, and I can see why everybody has their response uh-huh. that they do, um, but it's, you know, it's what Glenn wanted, and he's up there doing a Q&A afterwards, and I got to admire him. He yeah, wanted cool. to do 
this exactly like he did it and he did it and we all have limited budgets and it's his first film and and I'm he's, he's a nice guy he was even in his Q&A he's positive and and really excited about the actors and the film that he made so support big support and even if you just go see it as a cult film like just to see what all the reviews are saying and if it's true it will be you will watch it and you will have your experience and uh, enjoy it. It's it's another meaningful horror film on the market right now. Yeah, I definitely want to see it. I'm I'm excited to see it, honestly. And uh, when you first hear, well, I don't know if you did you hear like reviews of it before you saw the premiere, or was yes. that your okay? So yes, I did. I actually sought them out myself. I was like, oh. We premiered in Chicago. What did they say? And I was like, wow, passionate. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So is any part of you like, uh, does that upset you at all? Or like right now you have a very positive attitude about it? Because even if, uh, like you said, if they do have a passionate uh, response to it, and if people still talk about it, I think that's better than if people don't talk about it at all. Well, I've done so many films. I have like 90-something credits on my IMDb. And uh, I'm too experienced and too secure in myself to give a fuck. Right. You know, like, that doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It, it doesn't hurt me mm-hmm. when somebody reviews a film as bad. Would it hurt my feelings a little bit if they reviewed me as bad? Uh, a little bit, yeah, but I never get those reviews, so, so, I think I've had, like, two bad reviews as an actor in my life, out of 97, you know, credits, so, I, I don't know, I, it doesn't bother me at all, it's, it was cool, it's a moment in history, I also look at it this way, like, Glenn Danzig is famous, mm-hmm. and, He's already famous for something else. So people are watching him. And there's this thing about film where you have to, no matter what department you're in, but especially as a director, actor, um, you have to be allowed to make bad stuff on your way to making good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and most of us have the opportunity to make our bad stuff, quote unquote, make our, our developing stuff without many eyes on us because we're not super famous but glenn doesn't have that opportunity he's already super famous so as he's working out the kinks as he's making his first film there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people already watching it so i kind of feel bad for famous people who are transitioning and turning into something else because there's so many people watching them do their experiments, essentially. Mm. You know, who knows? All of us create something first, and it's not, maybe it's not our best. Yeah. But we need the chance to make another one and another one. And, uh, yeah, so famous people have a whole bunch of eyes on them while they're making their first. (laughs) Right, yeah. So it's it's good and bad. It's good that you get attention right away, but then it's also bad, like exactly what you said, if, uh, if they if this was a first time director of uh, a guy no one knew, uh, people would be uh, wouldn't uh, they'd be more forgiving if they didn't uh, pick the movie. Yeah, they would fly exactly. on the radar. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what are you working on currently? 
Uh, well, currently I'm on my way to San Diego Comic-Con. I am uh, producing talent and performing with Ripley's Believe It or Not oh, at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I've been working with them quite a bit. I directed my first TV segment for Ripley's last December, so that's it premiered on the CW. I'm, um, I'm directing a lot more. I just won a really prestigious honor for one of my films. Uh, I won the shot on mobile category at AT&T Shape, and that was pretty, pretty big deal, like a grand ceremony at Warner Brothers Studios and mentorship by Kathy Yan, who just directed Birds of Prey, and, uh, and a cash prize, a substantial cash prize as well for my film, The Ascension of Ava Delane, shot entirely on mobile uh, in a single take. So that's, uh, yeah, I'm really focused on those things besides all the premieres that you know about Girl on the Third Floor, Derailed coming up August 6th. Can't wait for Derailed to come out. Uh, Veronica is making its rounds right now, but also some of my films are out doing the festival circuit and doing really well. Yeah. So what kind of genre uh, do you do you direct in? Uh, I'm I'm a beginning director, so right now I want to get something of every genre in. So uh, the award-winning film that I just did, The Ascension of Ava Delane, that's a experimental film. It's all drone, you know, it's single take, it's uh, experimental, and I would call it an empowerment fantasy if anybody wanted something more specific. But it's super experimental, avant-garde. Yeah. Um, then I have another kind of short film, Proof of Concept, going out to festivals right now that is, it's in the docu-like lifestyle. Uh, if you follow me, you'll find out that I do a lot with classic cars. I'm a gearhead. I have my own 65 Buick Riviera. I produce classic car shows, models. I have a stage show, a sellout stage show um, that's pinup themed. So we go retro. We involve the cars. And um, so the short film that I'm pushing right now, it's about, it's a docu-lifestyle and it's about cars, classic cars and pinup models, photography. It's, uh, it's, it's really in line with what I do on day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd also like to direct something of every genre, from rom-com to horror to sci-fi to just thriller um, because I want to get everything under my belt. I'm a new director. I want to see what I'm good at, see where my voice takes me. And uh, I know that I'm an experimental person <laughs> by, sure. by personality. Uh, so I'll probably always have something. Oh, I'm also a professional dancer. Like I danced on Broadway. I've toured with Panic at the Disco and Kenny Rogers and the Tap Dance Kid and the Rugrats and you name it, like lots of dance tours. Um, was in the Muppets, was in Lone Ranger, uh, as a dancer. And so that translates to my directing and acting, honestly, right. because I'm obsessed with movement. I'm obsessed with the body. Um, you'll always see something that glorifies the human body. And that's not always what people think. Sometimes they say, oh, that's sexualizing or, right. or glorifying. Glorifying can be just showing how gross the body is or how strangely the body can move, uh, things like that. Um, also, coming up, I'm writing a, a dark musical 
based on mm-hmm. the life of Anita Berber, and she's a 1920s uh, zeitgeist. She was the priestess of depravity in Berlin, what is uh, Weimar, which is Berlin now, um, in the 1920s. And she, uh, our, our, uh, it's going to go up on stage first, then it's going to get filmed, and it's called Anita Berber is Dead, and I'm producing it with the Independent Shakespeare Company of California. So I'm very excited about that one. Dark and uh, depraved. Very, that sounds right in my alley. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, you're like a jack of all trades, a renaissance woman. You got all, all, a little bit yeah. of everything. Very cool. Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, people no, not at your house, but like you online. Right. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't do that. Right. Uh, they can follow me, and I'm available on social media, media uh, Instagram, slash Pure Renegade, Twitter, slash Tanya K, that's T-O-N-Y-A-K-A-Y, and Facebook, slash Brutally Elegant. And my website is TanyaK.com, T-O-N-Y-A-K-A-Y.com. That's for acting and directing. And if you want to check out my work in burlesque, dance, and stunts, you can also go to TheMostDangerousWomanInHollywood.com. So I have separate websites for these two personas. Yeah, I love both those names, the most dangerous woman in Hollywood, and uh, and uh, what was the first one? Brutally elegant. Uh, I like both of them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you, and it's been weeks in the making. Yes. <laughs> and I will do Thank it again you so sometime. Much for yeah, very good. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait to I can't wait to hear and uh, hear this interview and talk to you again. All right, sounds good. And uh, have a good time at Comic Con. Thank Ripley. you. Thank you. I will. All right. Good night. Good day. I guess. Good night. Good, good night. day.